0: Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we'll recap our experiences brewing with Painter's Servant. Will the plucky little scarecrow be the next big hit in modern? Spoiler alert, nope. After discussing our painter brews, we'll revisit some old lists that we've got some fresh ideas for in 2021. This is a podcast about iterative brewing, after all. Have a sip of your Blink Moth Tonic, and open your third eye. This is takes- success. Welcome to episode nine of the Serum Visions podcast. Coming to you fresh out of 2020, I'm one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me on the line from even further in the future is a man who has prepared many mixed drinks and served them from a chalice of the void. Zach Ryle, how are you, Zach?
1: Oh man, I'm so good. We're rolling into 2021, and as I've mentioned on my stream and many other places, you know, I, uh, I, I've been looking back on 2020 and thinking about some of my favorite memories and some of my accomplishments and. Even though it's easy to think of it as the year that wasn't or the year that was lost or whatever, you know, sort of perhaps more realistic view of it some people might have for themselves, I'm choosing to uh, look as I do always with, uh, with hopeful eyes and the idea of uh, moving forward with the best of that year, as, as we really usually we all do, I think. I think that's, that's fair, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the listeners can't see it, but we're
1: actually all wearing rose-colored glasses right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I usually take those off as soon as you guys bring up Mox Tantalite, um, but otherwise... (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. Listen, it's not my fault. They made it brew-resistant. We'll say brew-intolerant. We can (laughs) (laughs) overdo this. It can it can tolerate small amounts of brewing, but too much and it gets an upset stomach. One um, day, I, I I will I will mention as we as we bring on uh, a rune. Uh, yesterday, I took place in a vintage rotisserie draft with my friends for the first time in about ten months. Last time was, of course, in wonderful real life face to face paper play, and uh, that is a fantastic format for anyone who's interested in something that's like super super cool. Although you have to have eight fairly fairly you know baller magic players who really are willing to uh put themselves out there and look silly um because you you draft with a you basically have a spreadsheet and your drafting pool is literally all of magic um except for we had two bands which were arcane artisan and loris of the dream den um but uh, And then you just go in a, in a snake formation, so from seat 1 through 8, and then 8 through 1, back and forth, back and forth, drafting cards from all of Magic. So it's, it's pretty cool. The first 16 picks are like semi—they're not locked in, but you, you will expect to see all the Moxes, Black Lotus, Ancestral Recall, and uh, my favorite that I've gotten twice in a row now, Time Vault. You expect all of those to go in the first 16. But depending on the group you're playing with, uh, you get to see some awesome cards. Uh, my best buddy, Roy the Boy, um, came out strong last time drafting an early Clothis and just playing a uh, red-green Fun Police and doing fairly well with it. Uh, meanwhile, I had the Urza Lordhide Artificer deck with um, Oops All combos. So I was playing Thopter Sword combo with Urza. I was playing uh, Time Vault and Voltaic Key and uh, the other key. And I was also playing Painter Servant Grindstone. Nice, <laughs> nice. Suffice it to say, this time uh, people were prepared for it, and I ran into both a turn two Stony Silence and a turn two Null Rod in different matches, and and promptly lost those.
2: Serves you right for trying to do broken things with artifacts, Zach.
1: You know what? <laughs> I had I had I had plenty of fun losing. There we go. Also joining us
0: is a man who flips whenever the fourth spell of a turn has been cast, <laughs> leading to uh, many awkward moments at Friday Night Magic. And Arun exclamation Singh. points. How are you? Ah, uh, yes, and exclamation points. <laughs> I'm. How do- are you, Arun?
2: I'm doing very well. You know, I had a very nice Christmas break, just took it easy. Uh, got a, my fiance and I got a nice little cabin uh, up on the Oregon coast and you now brought our dog and did a whole bunch of hiking and cooking and not looking at phones or emails or work. And yeah, I felt it was a beautiful, uh, you know, just wonderful time. I felt very refreshed coming back to modern. Uh, So I, you know, that was the nice little break I needed and kind of talked about last time. And I've, you know, some for the most part I've been enjoying modern. I mean, at this point I think it's pretty high variance. So you know, some leagues feel much more fun than others. But overall, you know, I'm very, very happy to be bringing in the new year, especially in these circumstances.
0: Awesome. So, this week, uh, we are going to do something a little bit different um, and talk about one of the new cards that has been spoiled recently. Uh, Arun, I know that you have a particular interest in this card, why don't you take it away?
2: Yeah, so, you know, we don't really have been talking about pre about previews much because, A, uh, being a podcast that goes every other week, you know, just doesn't fit the schedule well, but. Uh, and also we kind of like to focus on the brewing aspect, but I want to talk about this card uh, only because it's I'm going to be brewing with this card a lot and this is Magna Brazen Outlaw. This is one in a red for a 2-1 legendary creature Dwarf Berserker that says other dwarves you control get plus one plus zero. A second line of text that says whenever a dwarf you control becomes tapped, create a treasure token. Uh, so this is essentially a lotus petal. And then a third line of text that says, Sacrifice five treasures to search your library for an artifact or dragon card and put it straight up in the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Uh, so, this is, I think this card is going to be really cool and really sweet. Um, you know, the biggest reason, the A, is uh, the synergy with Mox. Uh, with a, it's a Mox Amber enabler, which is, you know, I always love those. Uh, but B, it actually synergizes very well with Springleaf Drum, where you can tap it for a mana and then you get the treasure. And then if you have a Kinnan out two you can tap it for tap it with the Springleaf Drum to get two from the Outlaw and then a Treasure comes down which you can also sack for two with Kinnan's ability. Uh, so this is you know kind of like a mega it can be a mega jumping stone mega mana engine the Kinnan uh, Springleaf Drum shells and I think this could be actually extra extra good because Springleaf Drum is like always it's in all these decks it's just the worst card in the deck you know you look at some of these lists and just say oh this this list has 56 good cards and four spring leap drums you know like i mean like excluding lands or whatever and you know i always i'll go to four drums i'll cut down to three i'll cut down to two it's just i have such a mixed relationship with drum because the first one you always want and the first one is good and the second is awful and the third and the fourth are even worse and you don't want to see more than one but like I guess the ceiling is just so high and the floor is so low, but, you know, maybe by getting a critical mass of cards that really low with leap Drum, you might be able to justify playing more than two. So you know, I'm definitely, as soon as this card comes out, I'm going to be working on it in some Kinnan, uh, in some Kinnan brews, but yeah, just very, very excited for this card and the whole overall emphasis on Legends in this set, you know, I'm a sucker for Mox Amber and I'll take, I'll take whatever new enablers we can get.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mox Amber is the best Mox we got for right now, right? So uh, you got to do
1: what you can to, to make it work. I've got a quick uh, scryfall search of the legal dwarves in modern right now. Um, most of them come from Kaladesh, uh, and a very small selection come from uh, Shadowmoor Eventide. Um, and then there's one from 8th edition, which I, I think that's literally the... Oh, and there's a few in Eldraine. Um, The one from 8th edition is obviously the most playable Dwarven Demolition team. Uh, Two and a red for a 1-1 tap to strike target wall. So, you know, quality. Quality. Uh, But actually, uh, Torbran is probably the most playable elf, but not use Or not uh, dwarf, but not useful for us here. But there is Sram, there is Depala, and then there's a pretty cool card called Renegade Wheelsmith that I don't think is playable in the kind of deck we're building, but... There, there's definitely, like, some fringe playable dwarves here, maybe. Uh, but I think it looks like we're going to have to wait for Kaldheim to come out, even though Aerial Responder is, of course, the vampire Whitehawk. Uh, that's not really <laughs> the power level of, of modern.
0: Well uh there are changelings there are definitely going to be changelings in kaldheim as well um and you know uh there's uh, goofy cards like uh arcane adaptation we'll just turn everything into a dwarf and then we'll have treasure for days and everything will be awesome and yeah brewing yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> chameleon colossus might be the d- best dwarf ever printed i, got, oh, I yeah, could get on go. board
2: with that I, that card used to be nuts
1: changeling no, uh, outcast more if we go for legacy madness. if we go for legacy legal, legal there's a dwarven recruiter um, uh, yeah yeah i'll leave i'll leave have that you seen... project
2: to someone else
1: <laughs> have you seen the people
0: speculating on the the dwarves i uh around spoiler season i like to throw a bunch of um cards into my card kingdom cart just to watch the price changes and, oh sure, um, I'll life. check on them every day just to see what happened. And people were specking real hard. There were a bunch of really crappy common dwarves that I threw into my cart just to see what would happen. And the price went up and the stock completely dried up over the course of about, I don't know, maybe two days. And, uh, I'm expecting a lot of people to be holding some really cheap, uh, unplayable dwarves for the, you know, the, the indefinite (laughs) future because nobody's actually going to want to buy
1: them. Yeah. I I, did. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the rampant speculation is definitely, but you know what? I mean, last time there was a really good goblin that came out, um, you know, anyone who bought into Boggart Harbinger. Got paid off big time in the short term so uh you know this has been uh mtg finance with the serum visions podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right
0: well yeah magda seems pretty cool and um teamer is a great color combination so i look forward to these kin and brews as well so uh let's 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 keep on rolling here um what have we been seeing in the meta zach
1: well, that's uh, let's let. I mean, I I, I, uh, I maintain my positivity and my hopefulness and my belief in a div- diverse modern metagame, uh, and one of these one of these challenges is a little challenging um, for that. But uh, let's just go through them and see where we come down as a group. Uh, obviously, people have been playing yesterday and today as we are recording on the 3rd of January, and these challenges are from the week previous, this is the last set of challenges from the year 2020. So Let's see, see how 2020 closed off. So Newcomer Hammer Time won the Saturday challenge. Um, so I think there's a lot of people who are very enthusiastic about this deck. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why, because it's basically a turn two kill deck that is... Also able to grind resiliently a lot of the time. Um, but uh, maybe it's just a change of pace, and that's what people are happy about. So in second place, we've got ad nauseum. And in third, fourth, and fifth, four color Uro. Woo. Which sounds bad. Which sounds really bad. I agree with you. And in sixth, more ad nauseum. However, in seventh, we have blue black rogue mill. Eighth, black red squared shadow. Ninth, is it blitz? Tenth, black red mid range. 11th, another ad nauseum, and 12th, green-white hammer time. Uh, other notable finishes in this challenge are uh, 16th place, place e-tron, which is the highest Etron and almost the only e-tron that we see in either of these challenges. 17th, we've got Rinko playing Enduring Ideal that's splashing red for Deafening Clarion, perhaps a concession to the unbelievable amount of small creature aggro that's flying around right now. Uh, Also playing some treasure maps. So this deck is a wild one, and it is probably worth checking out. And 28th, 29th, we've got the Super Belcher Brothers. Um, Just uh, two Belcher decks hanging out in 28th and 29th. And uh, a little-known card... Uh, Urza Lord High Artificer appearing in 31st place in a blue black Thopter sword deck. So, a couple of random decks through the sort of uh, 17th through 32nd place here, but the top 16 looking a little bit brutal.
2: Yes, I want to mention the 31st place, the blue black Urza build. That's by Ben Jones, uh, the British Death Shadow expert who's also played some of our Kin Omnath brews uh, to trophies. Oh, out, good man! Yeah, I just want to point that out. You know, big big fan of him. When he posts on Twitter, it's always you know pretty interesting stuff. Uh, but yeah, you know, right go, always always rooting for people who try out crazy brews.
1: Yeah, uh, so that's BMJ is the username, and yeah. that's uh, Ben, middle name Jones. <laughs> ben, middle name Jones. Um, yeah, nothing too crazy about this build, although he is following your speculation and uh, one of my speculations that I never tried, Lurrus of the Dream Den, worthy of main deck inclusion in your Urza decks. Um, I actually had the, the idea for a little while that it almost might be worth not playing Urza and just playing uh, two to three Luruses and um, uh, more interaction. The, the threat of the combo without your opponent ever actually knowing that you're not on Urza uh, felt good enough for a while in modern and um the thopter foundry sword of the meek combo is good enough to get you through a lot of games on its own without you ever actually having to combo off the problem is there are a bunch of decks like titan where they're just gonna make you have it and if you don't have it you're gonna die so doesn't doesn't actually work out that well in theory but uh, i did never try it um this person also didn't keep playing urza people keep playing urza yeah
2: keep going for it
1: yeah exactly well and and you know what i was watching uh i mean i'll, I'll mention it in a moment but i was watching uh canister playing um uh urza in uh in a challenge uh or a prelim in a prelim the other week and uh there was just a moment where he goes man we're just totally dead top deck oh no wait combo <laughs> and it's like that's yep that's that's how you want to play the deck it really is so the sunday challenge sunday challenge so first place is it blitz yes it is uh, second place we've got blue black control that's from I believe Pachi who's uh, sort of always around playing some cool control brews and third fourth and fifth place are of course Uro Omnath again no no they're not um, third place we've got Storm. fourth place and fifth place blue green Infect. sixth place mono white hammer time seventh place Abe Corrigan on Urza Areo, and eighth place Miracles so no no uh, Uro Omnath to be seen in this top eight. However, of course, in ninth place, it's Grixis Death Shadow. With four of Death Shadow, four of Sprite Dragon, and two of Red Horde Arcanist. Wild. Wild stuff. Um, tenth place, Green White Titan. Eleventh place, Dredge. Not played by Sodek, but played by some. Uh, brave individual twelfth belcher 13th death and taxes 14th jeskai control no lotus sun that deck seems to have uh, dried up a little bit like the enthusiasm for the plane of ixlon um <laughs> 15th place oops i poop myself and uh 16th place classic burn and one more honorable mention uh 28th place blue white spirits
2: all right, so I just want to say, seven out of these 16 are combo decks.
1: If you're counting, what, Infect is a combo deck?
2: Infect is. Two Infect, Infect, Storm, Hammer Time, Dredge Belcher, oops, I pooped myself.
1: Yep, yep, yep. I mean,
0: uh, I just want to take a moment to shout out David Robertson from the Faithless Brewing podcast on the uh, "Oops, I Pooped Myself" title for that. Tech.
1: <laughs> yeah, he goes with a slightly, slightly less PG version. But as Brian has a, a tiny child that actually runs around from time to time, I I, uh, I just want to protect his his freaking ears. Ow, my his freaking sensitive ears. his his delicate child sensibilities. <laughs> Listen, I don't. We, we don't need to uh, to rob them of their innocence any quicker than uh, than the world already probably will. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) But no, but, okay, yes, you're not wrong, Arun. You're not wrong. However, we know uh, modern tends to be a pretty brutal format. And I think we can look at these, um, these two challenges and say... Yeah, it definitely feels like the drag race is on pretty pretty hard right now. And by drag race, we're re- we're referring to a lot of ships in the night style combo decks and a lot of uh, matchups coming down to how good is my brutal sideboard card and do I draw it in time. Um, that said, I mean those three Earl Omnath decks um, in the first day. I mean they're you know, I mean they're the evil empire of you know money pile <laughs> uh, but they are abundantly fair although it's weird because when you play against them it's kind of like you lost on turn three when they grow spiral into uh omnath and they have force back up so it, it, like ah, it's just it's just tough you know it, it does feel like a lot of the time it's just down to they make you have it or you make them have it on turn three and then occasionally you get a really interesting game after uh maybe you both fail um or you both slam uh haymaker sideboard cards go ahead brian yeah
0: i i um we're going to talk about this when we get to some of the results with painter but this uh this sunday challenge you know top 16 is kind of what i was seeing through my leagues as well i got killed on turn two and turn three in probably four or five of, you know, ten matches. Um, I died to Storm on turn three twice in a row. Uh, I died to Infect on turn two and then turn three in a match. Like, I feel like everybody was just drag racing. Um, But then watching your stream, you know, I saw you play against Jund. I saw you play against uh, Miracles. So I know these decks are out there. I just, uh, I feel like maybe it's the timing that I'm getting into the leagues, but, you know, I'm seeing things that are, are much closer to this Sunday challenge than to the Saturday challenge.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. I've kind of been the same. I've faced a lot of combo. doesn't, you know, feel so great. I think, I think we'll talk about this a little bit, too, but our Zach, uh, we were playing one of our uh, blue-green landsteel decks, uh, and in round three, he was facing Belcher, and he was 2-2, and it's like, okay, sweet. And, you know, we have, like, the pretty, you know, turn two, turn three Karn, which happened fairly frequently. Game one, on the play, the person just belched him on turn two. Uh, game two, we had the turn three Karn. And then game three, once again, Zach got belched on turn two. And it was just like, yeah, what yeah, can we t- do?
1: It was turn three turn three in game one, turn two in game oh, three. Uh, and it was, yeah, but it, it, like, you know, it's, it's pretty brutal. And uh, you have to have a very narrow uh, band of cards to be able to deal with that. Um, I mean... Again, I I do strongly believe in this meta being what we can refer to as diverse. It's brutal, but it's diverse. Um, And there's a lot of room for... Well, not a lot of room, but there is definitely room for innovation and the people who are really out there and really passionate and really trying hard. I mean, we're seeing um, sort of fringe playable or forgotten decks of the past bubbling up towards the top. So the perfect example of this is two different people. And this was not an overrepresented deck. This was not... This was not representative of, of course, a bunch of blue-green Infect players showed up and two of them topped. No, no one is playing that deck. And we all know why no one's playing that deck. Because everyone is playing Lavadart. You can't play that deck right now. Not in the field of Lavidarts, except, yes, they did. Because the Lavadarts have dried up a little bit. Because a lot of the decks that were playing Lavadart have had to engage in an arms race with each other. Because Lavadart is not good in the mirror and it's not particularly good against Uro Omnath and some of the combo decks it's not particularly good against so you know there, there's a lot of gaps and holes in the metagame where people are managing to to uh, either come up with new ideas like this Crixis, um, uh, this Grixis Death Shadow list which you know time will tell if that's actually resilient or if it's just an accident um, and uh, things like Infect coming back are, uh, are pretty interesting. Um, there's I, I would I would say that the core three decks of this metagame, and this has been true for maybe six weeks now, is Four-Color Omnath, Ad Nauseam, and Black-Red Scourge. But we've consistently seen other things popping up, flowing in. Um, there's certain weeks where Green-White Titan is absolutely excellent. Um, there's certain weeks where the only Titan deck we see is a one-of Amulet Titan um, which has you know incredibly swingy draws, so someone who's drawing really hot on that deck can be basically unbeatable. Um, and uh, uh, worthy of note, this week is an absence of green-white Heliod, reduction in Titan decks, and uh, no real Uro piles in the challenges uh, that weren't Omnath Uro. However, there were a bunch in the prelims during the week.
0: I, I think it's actually even more impressive that Blue-Green Infect made it as high as it did um, not because of lava dart, but because the red black scourge also plays, you know, six discard spells, a handful of fatal push, dismember, right? Like they are they are built to just completely beat up on infect, um, tear the hand apart, kill any creatures that they can land.
1: Yeah, but it, it's I mean, infect, in infect does not play like Bogles where they're they're like vulnerable in that way. They they tend to be able to. Uh, protect their creatures from most types of removal. The the fact that Lavadart has the flashback for free is usually what gets them um because their creatures pretty much all have one toughness and it's just impossible to deal with like removal spell plus Lavadart plus Lavast- Lavadart flashback. Whereas they can deal with two removal spells regularly. Um so I don't know. I, it, I yeah, I think I think whoever uh whoever came up with the read and it looks like two people either in tandem or individually came up with the read and uh, did very well with it and it also it's got to have great game against almost all these combo decks i mean ad nauseum belcher and probably even oops i feel like those have all got to be free wins plus they always had good game against titan because titan's just too slow to deal with them doesn't put down enough blockers
2: yeah in the top eight of or the top scene of these challenges you know like because everyone has such good win rates is often the fact that a lot of these people have like faced each other in the swiss so you can tell that the blue-green Infect, right? Like, blue-black control, that might be a medium matchup. Gift Storm, Infect probably crushes that. Hammer Time, Infect could crush that. Yeah, you know, probably in GDS, you know, like Titan, Dredge, Belcher, you know, even Death and Taxes. Like, if Death and Taxes doesn't have the path, it, they could just, you know, be dead on turn two. It's, you know, in this, it seems like the fastest combo deck you can choose. It's interesting we haven't seen any Neo brand, which is like the fastest combo deck, quote-unquote, but also that's the one that holds hardest to force of negation. Although in this top 16, there's not really much force of negation. So maybe maybe it's time to, to bring old Gristle Daddy back.
0: Oh. Isn't Neoform uh, non-deterministic? Or or has that been since fixed?
2: Yeah, no, it is non-deterministic.
0: Yeah, I'm not no, sure but, uh... your, I mean... When you can deterministically win on turn two with Belcher, you know, uh, maybe like a lower percentage of the time than with Neoform, I think that that's probably part of why we're not seeing um, Neoform, just because Oops is capable of the same fast wins, but it is deterministic, whereas, you know, Neoform can
1: go off and then just completely fizzle.
2: Yeah, and then there's also Force of Negation, which Oops is much less vulnerable to than Neoform is.
1: Yeah, because they what they'll what, what oops will lose to a force of negation is usually a pentad prism. Yep. What Neoform will lose to it is the game. <laughs> so uh yeah. And then uh in other exciting news, because I pulled up some stuff from prelims because I was uh somewhat interested in this and I could not believe uh how much activity I've seen. Um Arceus Dota. Abe Corrigan, Canister, and uh, you mentioned... Wh- who is the British player? Uh,
2: ben Jones.
1: Ben Jones. All of these people, brand new love, brand new appreciation, and brand new exploration with Urza, Lord High Artificer, including, Woo! I've linked, uh, a prelim that was 4-0'd by RKS Dota playing um, four-color Urza. And he 3-1-1 playing Teemer Uroza. No Thopter sword combo old school um pretty wild obviously a very good player um but uh that's that's incredibly interesting um so i am uh sort of partway through an article about it which i will hopefully get posted to faithless brewing at some point this week about the uh sort of fall and rise of urza um Potentially, why it's happening, who's interested in it, and uh, just getting those lists out there for people. Because uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what's happening, but I, I am uh, certainly for it.
0: I'm gonna stand by what I've been saying since, since you know, even the bans, um, you know, the Mox Opal ban and everything. I think that Urza remains good. I think that the lack of paper play is hurting it because. Uh, It takes four clicks, even with the shortcuts, to make a Thopter uh, with the full combo. And you need five Thopters to uh, draw a card effectively with Urza. Um and so in the worst case scenario, if you combo off on turn three and you need to find a same turn win con, you're looking at 1250 clicks to produce enough Thopters to dig through your entire deck. Uh, then you still have to dig through your deck, and if you have a win con like um grinding station or um gear or Aether Grid, you still have to have all of the clicks for that. And um, because you have to go through all of that, I just kind of am not sure that the juice is worth the squeeze for a lot of people. Um, you know, you can try and make your your thopter army. You know, just pump out twenty thopters past turn, and because there isn't a really uh, large number of sweepers being played right now, I think that that's probably good enough. And so maybe that's why there's a bit of a resurgence. You know, you have the the infinite combo if you need it. Um, maybe if you're playing some counter magic, you know, if, if you're in a real pinch, you can sort of combo off until you dig to that cryptic command or whatever. And hopefully it's less than the, you know, 1250 clicks that you need, uh, to get through the whole deck. Um, and, and so maybe that's why it's starting to pop back. You know, it, it has the potential for, Uh, a really quick win with the combo it also has the potential for a long grinding game um you know it doesn't fold to any single piece of hate like uh Yeah, sure, maybe you have some graveyard hate, but there's, you know, um, Construct beatdowns, Urza still gets to do his thing. Um, And then on the flip side, if you get hit with a stony like effect, you know, you have Goblin Engineer or Emery or Urza to keep making use of those artifacts, even if uh, you can't activate them. So, you know, I think that there's still a lot of game to the deck. I think what it lost with the Opal ban was just some of that speed. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I think it's still a perfectly good deck, and I, I kind of expect that when paper play resumes, we will see more innovation. And I'm really hoping for some good artifacts out of uh, Kaldheim.
2: Yeah, I you know I think that's very well said. Especially, although I do want to mention that like you mentioned, the big thing that is lost with the Max Opal Band is speed. Uh, but you know, speed is incredibly important right now. Like you know, even if you if you could, you know, if Mox Opal was... Honestly, I kind of want them to unban Mox Opal just so... If they ban it again in a week, that's okay. But I just want the peace of mind that, like, this card should actually be banned. As opposed to, you know, like, this card was banned for this other deck that had Oko. Uh, which is pretty busted. But, I mean, if I... If it, these shells had access to Opal, I could see turn two Karns happening pretty frequently. Which is probably a little messed up.
1: Well. The, uh, the Urza decks that are popping around right now are certainly uh, a little more scrappy mm-hmm. than um, than some of the previous versions. We're not seeing any copies of Archmage's Charm. It's usually only two or three copies of Cryptic Command for when you need it, and very high copies of early game interaction in the form of either Galvanic Blast or Metallic Rebuke, so they 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 do know what's up, and they are aware that they need to be able to interact early with uh, combo decks and uh, things like uh, Black Red Scourge Shadow or, or Prowess or, or um, Hammer Time. So, like, there's definitely good construction, good respect for the metagame in in the list that mm. we're seeing. They're not exactly the same as they have always been, and they are constantly constantly changing. Um, one of the crazy things about it is like Arcas. Uh, Dota's list has like just a whack of one ofs and no worse. It's just, just all you gotta find what you gotta find when you gotta find it, you know. Yeah, this is a- one engineered explosives, one Nile spell bomb, one Aether spell bomb. No worse. No way to no way to find them. Uh, there's goblin engineers in this one, which is a very slow, inconsistent way to do it. It will work in some matchups, but not in others. So. I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, I I love this deck and I'm definitely gonna play it at some point this week because I, I love I love four color Urza gilded goose Ren and six get in my belly.
2: Yeah, the it's interesting the temer his temer Urza list uh, it plays four galvanic blast and two rebuke and two Crypticals interaction, but it's only got 13 artifacts and then four gilded goose and you know this is something that even in my 20 artifact. Sixty-card cannon shells. i really had trouble turning galvan, getting the metal craft from galvanic blast. So, and Zach has mentioned this too. Like you probably just want to play bolt most of the time. So I would be really curious to know how often galvanic blast actually had metal craft because I'm guessing it was much less frequently than you'd want to.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I the real split is is going to be um, against things like prowess. You're just going to need to be very careful where you deploy a non metal crafted blast. Mm-hmm. But I would say when you play against the Omnath piles, where you're going to have more time yeah. to assemble your metal craft, being able to go up to four is probably very valuable. So I, I'm not saying one way or the other, I don't know. Um, do you know that four Ren and six in both lists makes me think that the B plan or C plan in some of these cases of just tick Ren and six up all game long until you can uh, Ren and six emblem with Galvanic plaster Cryptic Command yep. probably comes up a good amount, and you've got again one of our favorite combinations, just playing Ren and six in uro for just a value pile where it's like, Ooh. oh, Urza failed, don't worry about it, I got you covered, or you know, em- and Emery's hanging out there too, possibly. Generating value, just drawing cards over and over and over again. So, you know these, these games have a lot, or these decks have a lot of play to them, and there's a lot of power here. Um, it's kind of again, it's more scrappy, I would say, than the um, than the Euro Omnath decks. It's a little less just like kick back and be like, oh, I'll remand you, or if you didn't play anything, I'll growth spiral, and I'm just eventually going to win with field if nothing else wins. This deck has to like start playing the board from turn one, two, and three. And you're trying to find little gaps where you have one mana left to interact with people until you set up for Cryptic, until you set up for Urza. Um, and then in a fail state, you can you can beat almost anything else in the format because Uro and Renin Six is just brutal.
0: I love, 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 love the Ren and Sixes. And I, I can understand why you would want to go into four colors to, to play the Thopter Sword uh, combo. I can never put that down, but I always want to jam Renin-6 in, and I really don't like going to Four Colors because I feel like I've been bit by it. Turns out there's a lot of Blood Moon running around right now. Um, oh, yeah. But, man, yeah, Renin-6 is is—it's uh, just so good. It's so so good. good.
1: Very good. I think I, I, can, I can go with it. It's, it's, it's quite good. Quite good all right and, well uh, anywho so we... that's yeah that's the whole that's the wholeness of the meta i mean there's lots of stuff happening on so 2021 looking bright as we roll into it
0: oh yeah let's see what kaldheim has to bring before we get too optimistic though yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> listen we haven't seen the blue green mythic yet so it's nobody true. get too excited we might be in serious trouble
0: all right so let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk about our updates to our painter lists or our uh, results of our painter lists Welcome back. Uh, so to, to recap, we uh, came up with some lists that play the Painter's Servant. Um, and this is a card that you know has seen uh, a fair amount of legacy play, but has never really quite made it in modern. Uh, we, of course, did take the Servant on to less than spectacular results, <laughs> as is expected. <laughs> Uh, Arun, why don't you uh, why don't you lead us off here? Yeah, well, I'm
2: I'm only leading off because I've got to be honest, and I didn't actually play any Painter decks this week. You know, I drew up some lists. I I once we talked about last week, but I think that hibernation is probably the best payoff, and then we also mentioned Iona into Painter, which I think the fact that those two are probably the best payoffs for Painter already, you know, makes makes me a little suspect. Uh, so I tried to brew up some lists to see and. You know the list. They, they, the list did not really excite me. I mean, they looked pretty cool, but the power level looked pretty medium. And I'd already been on, you know, a little bit of a bad run with some other very speculative brews uh, that I might talk about later. And I just did not have the heart uh, to jump in and get pummeled. And then I also watched Zach stream some, and uh, with the painter hibernation one, and it looked cool, but once again, it was pretty clunky and just. You know, I I did not have the willpower to be like, okay, I'm just going to go into the queues and get pummeled in a brutal fashion. Uh, so I'm going to be seeing this most one out and you're asking more questions, but I'm excited to hear how you and Zach did.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that this was a real doozy of a brew around card. I love Painter because of the unique effect and the oddball text on it. This is a card that I have been eyeing up for paper purchase for months now, but I've been looking for a good deal because they are quite expensive for no apparent reason other than uh, perhaps a single printing. Um, But man, this is such a hard card to break in art. (laughs) None of my initial ideas that I outlined last episode panned out. Um, I looked at the multicolor hosers and that sort of stuff, and that didn't uh, yield great results uh, because it was tough to reliably keep a, a painter on the field. Um, so, you know, I, I tried an aggro deck, uh, I had a couple sketches there, um, where Painter could make everything multicolor and then rely on some like protection from multicolor type cards or, um, cards that, you know, gained benefits for having other multicolor cards out. They just weren't good. They weren't fast enough. Um, everything else in the format is just way more powerful. It was bad. Uh, I tried, um... You know, some combo directions, and I think that that's actually where you kind of have to go. My first thought uh, was to utilize Painter as a combo piece in a Sphinx's Tutelage deck. Uh, Sphinx's Tutelage <laughs> is two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you draw a card, target opponent mills two cards. If two non-land cards that share a color were ma- milled this way, you repeat the process. So we have something that slightly resembles Grindstone if you squint really hard. Um, and. You know, I kind of thought, well, maybe this is a way, like, if we play some Jace or we play some draw effects, we can basically build your own grindstone combo. Uh, The bad news is I (laughs) did the math, or I guess it's the good news for my wallet, but I did the math before I took this into any leagues, and if you assume... Uh, 22 lands on average in your opponent's deck, you've got about a 40% chance of milling two non land cards. So we're looking at less than 50% chance to get a second mill. um, And then, you know, that compounds the longer you go. So if you mill two non land cards and then you mill two more, the chances of getting a third are just like super low. Um, so I didn't bother taking this one to a league, you know, 40% chance to get, uh, two mills, let alone two plus just didn't (laughs) seem like enough. I still kind of like the idea of taking it in with a Jace just because, you know, Jace draws three on his Brainstorm. Um, and so Mm. you're guaranteed to mill six right there, which seems okay. And if you're playing Jace, maybe you're playing some more counter magic and things like Archmage's Charm. So maybe you're going to be able to mill them out but at the end of the day it just sounds like a, a far worse mill deck than actual blue black mill so that was sort of the the first
1: approach um you know you could also I, being scared off by math has to be one of the smartest things that you i, I have never done that work uh um, yeah. on a deck list before before o5ing with it so yep. kudos <laughs> to you sir hats off well, for your <laughs> usage of technology
0: uh, thank you. I can't claim that the math is correct, so don't at me if I was off and you do the math yourself. Or actually do at me if it sounds like a good idea. Don't at me if it continues <laughs> to be a bad idea.
2: Yeah, I, I want to chip in. You know, I think the smarter you do the math, I would have just taken to a two-player queue and tried to get the combo. Then I'd get the combo and I'd be like, oh, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why did I think you this know, was don't... remotely plausible?
0: Uh, don't giving it don't go giving me too many accolades here it'll go to my head Um, (laughs) I was just feeling very uh you know uh cautious after a slew of other losses going into the uh the two player queues things like that with bad brews. so I was really just protecting my um my ticks pile
1: you uh you had another another go with something with painter here huh
0: Yeah, so I decided to keep looking at combo pieces, and I figured that the two-card combo of Painter and Iona Shield of Ameria is probably one of the better combos out there. So as a reminder, Iona is 9 mana for a 7-7 legendary angel that reads, As Iona Shield of Ameria enters the battlefield, choose a color. Your opponents can't cast spells of the chosen color. Uh, So with an Iona and a Painter on the field, the opponent is completely locked out of casting spells, much like the Karn Mycosynth Lattice decks of yesteryear. Uh, At only one mana more, uh, because Karn plus Lattice was 10 mana, this seemed like a pretty reasonable approach, Um, although those were both colorless cards, so it is a little bit easier to ramp into. Uh, This um, Iona requires triple white, uh, which is a little bit of a pain. Um, but the cool thing about this is that both halves of the combo could be tutored for with Korda Calling or Eladomri's Call. So that's where I started. And knowing that I needed to hit 11 mana to cast both halves of the combo, I decided to play a Kinnon package. So I ran Kinnon, Springleaf Drum, Mox Amber, uh, a speculative cho- speculative choice in Risk the Redeemed and Noble Hierarch. And it actually panned out surprisingly well. I often found myself opening with Land, Wriss, Amber, Springleaf Jum, or something similar. Um, So on turn two, I could usually drop a cannon and still have a a load of mana open to either Eladomri's Call or Cord for something. Um, So I was running a a bunch of one-of tutor targets, um, things like Phyrexian Revoker or Knight of Autumn, You know, just uh, little silver bullets that I could use to slow the game down a little bit. Um, I even threw a one of Uro in there, and that actually turned out to be surprisingly, well, I mean, unsurprisingly good, it's Uro, <laughs> Uro is excellent, but, but being able to tutor for Uro uh, panned out a lot better than I expected, I was kind of unsure how I would feel about that, but I found myself reaching for it surprisingly often. Uh, and because you had so many little things like Riss and Kinnon that ended up eating removal, the graveyard was typically full enough to um, cast it when you needed it from the graveyard. So the deck it, felt that deck looks really sweet. Yeah, yeah. I I really had a good time playing with it, but after two leagues, I ended one nine um, against other mid range and some of the combo decks. I actually felt like I had pretty good game. I played against Ad Nauseam. Uh, I played against. Um, Oops All Spells, and both of those felt totally winnable. The Ad Nas game, uh, or match, I think that it was my play more so than their deck beating me. Um, it was the first match I played with this deck, and I just don't think I quite had the lines down yet. Um but then in the second league, I ran into just speed, 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 speed. This is where I got turn two killed by Infect. This is where I got turn three killed by Storm. Um, and so this deck felt just a tad too slow for all of these hyper fast decks. I also faced a bunch of prowess. So those lava darts got me. You know, they killed the wrist, they killed the kinin. <laughs> um, you know, they killed Noble Hierarch, basically half of my def- deck was X ones. And so that didn't pan out, uh, particularly well, but I think that there is, um, definitely something here and I would like to continue pursuing it in the future. Um, especially if things trend back towards more mid rangey. um, I beat mono red prison. Absolutely. No problem. The tutor targets were great. Uh, I got the lock on them, which was pretty cool. Uh, I think I only assembled the lock two or three times over all of the leagues, but I had died so fast that it was just, it, it rarely came up. Anytime I could get <laughs> to like turn four or turn five, I found that I, I pretty frequently had the mana available. Um, I was particularly impressed with one card that I had as a singleton in the main board, which was Winds of Abandoned. Um, because you're producing so much mana with Kinnon, I was able to overload it a couple of times, which was super sweet. Hmm. Uh, it's a worth, worse path to exile if you don't have an abundance of mana, but when you have that abundance of mana, just having that option uh, to, to sweep board was pretty nice.
2: Yeah, I've, I've lost a uh, modern in Modern Horizons draft. I've lost to my opponent overloading Winds of Abandon way too many times. It's it's a one side. It's plague wind. You know, it's so good.
1: Six mana play when they not bad, even if you are giving them a land for each creature.
0: Well, it, depending on the deck that you're playing in. So, like, I, I used it pretty effectively against Mono Red a couple of times, and giving them more lands is like, eh, whatever. Um, against some of the, the greedier decks, though, they just don't have enough basics. So, you sweep two or three creatures, and they get one basic, and you're like, ha ha ha, success.
3: <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's not bad. And this this deck ended up being the sort of, um, in, the, in the same vein as a very speculative painter deck that I never actually took out, but I, I had an 80-card painter deck that was sort of based on the same idea of having a, a bunch of tutors to cut down on the number of painters you actually have to play. Because um, it's not, I mean, don't get me wrong, I played lots of decks with four of painter, and we're going to talk about them in a second. Uh, and I really liked playing them. It was a lot of fun however it's just it's just not the best card right i mean there's just a lot of time where it's a one three nothing and uh the second one is not any more useful right so that's that's some of the biggest problems with it so it is a deck that lends itself to being played in a deck where you have a bunch of tutors to make sure that you have the, the synergy pieces
2: so i have to ask brian what did you think of the spring leaf drums because you know I For me, I'm always so conflicted on them. You ran three, which I think is a pretty good number. I think four is pretty much always incorrect. You you never, you really never want to have two and you never want to see two, Uh, but you know, I've kind of, I've been settling on two, which I've been pretty happy with. You know, did he, was it dead a lot of the time? Did you draw too many at one point? Did it feel like it was nuts? You have a pretty high creature count.
0: Yeah, so um, I really liked it because I frequently would start with a Wrist the Redeemed and like Mox Amber. I felt like that was just that was my opener so often, which was awesome. No complaints. And then I would have a Springleaf Drum that I could play, and so it's like turn two, I've got you know th- three or four mana, even without a land drop. I actually ended up playing um, Corbin Hausler in the uh, practice tournament practice rooms, and he was on red, white uh, land destruction. And I had a a game where I came out with like, um, turn one land, wrist Mox Amber, Springleaf Drum, turn two uh, Noble Hierarch, he destroys one of my lands, and it was like, cool, I have one land in play, but I'm still making five mana a turn, no problem. And so at, at one point, I think I had no lands in play, but was still able to cast a Shalai just like on Springleaf drums and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I had built with um, Springleaf drum in mind as well. So in my initial list, I, I ended up cutting it because I needed more space in the deck but i was running two of uh amara shield of the accords so that one is uh, a green and a white legend that when it taps it produces a 1-1 token um, my thought there was that it goes really well with spring leaf drum and by producing the token uh it's upping your creature count for uh quarter calling and that actually panned out you know there were a couple times where i would just have a down i'd tap it with a spring leaf drum to make two mana i would make a token. And then I would use that token and the two mana to convoke um, the Court of Calling. And so there was a lot of really interesting play there. I don't know that I would play Amara or be as happy with Springleaf Drum without the Court of Calling. It was just... Having that abundance of effects that made use of just tapping creatures down was really helpful.
2: So I wanna mention you talking about how Springleaf drum is pretty good for you. It seems like what you kinda do with this list is by playing Wrist and with doc with mock is you're just increasing you're increasing the ceiling of it. Where like you are still gonna have a lot of fail cases, but I can definitely see how, you know, wrist, mock Amber, spring leap drum, uh, sounds sounds pretty good. I've I've always been yeah, and, and yeah, Cord is also really good call. I've always been really, really interested in, like, the one of the... I think the only avenue I haven't explored with Mox Amber is just having a critical threshold of, like, maybe four to... Maybe eight to twelve, one CMC Legends. And then just, like, going, you know, using it, it's kind of like a, a free, uh, you know, just free mana ramp. And then going up from there, you know, maybe you can, like, turn one creature, uh, you know, turn one wrist, Amber. Springleaf drum, you turn to Kenan to Fairy and then another thing, and just kind of go from there. So this is something I'm gonna mess around with, and you know, I think your results from using wrists uh, along with the Amber definitely excite me and they intrigue me uh, to trying something up up this alley.
0: Yeah, like I said, it felt really powerful. I think I had some bad beats in the matchups, but, um, you know, just like full disclosure, a lot of times I come up with brews. They do not feel powerful. They don't feel good. <laughs> I'm honest about that. This one, this one felt good in a way that a lot of the others hadn't. So, you know, I, bad beats aside, I, I really do think that there is something here to continue exploring.
1: Mm-hmm. no I, I definitely agree with that uh, i mean I, I would be interested in doing it in an 80 card shell just because you are playing like up to eight tutors it gives you room for more um one ofs and uh there the kind of effects that we want to fill the rest of the deck with uh, are pretty redundant and uh you know in theory we we can then play three or four uh spring leaf drums without feeling as bad about it Obviously, you get more swingy variants, but I think it's it's pretty easy to make it worth doing. Plus, a powerful mana engine is a great way to continue to utilize Urion. So, um, it, it gives me some great hope for uh, something that I might jam at some point. <laughs> now that said, in the world of four of Painter decks, uh, I have a lot of links here. So, uh, you know what? i I gotta say I, i was i was looking through our podcast in the last little while and uh i don't always get to contribute that many decks you know um you guys are such wonderful brewers that i usually get to just do a lot of testing and commenting and helping with ideas but not actually vomiting out deck lists this time this time was a little different So I've got here uh, the the Urza Chalice Painter deck, an untested Urza Painter deck that does not have chalice but instead focuses on other mana creatures. We've got the original Woodland Bellower list that I came up with off of the idea from uh, Chase Hansen. We've got an update with uh, tweaks from uh, the CEO of the Faithless Brewing podcast, Mr. Daniel Schriever. So he uh, sort of pushed me in the direction of playing Karn um, and then on the final one there, I've got a, a stream that I recorded last night, which is an absolute, uh, absolute pleasure with the one and only Lawson Zandy, whose Painter deck uh, was a, a different uh, approach than any of mine. So most of mine contained four of Painter's Servant uh, and four of Hibernation. Uh, for recap, two and a blue for an instant that returns all green permanents to their owner's hands. So the idea here is with Painter's Servant in play on green, you can upheaval the entire board. The Woodland Bellower combo decks um, were very middling. So, Woodland Bellower is a, is a six mana creature, and uh, if you have a painter in play naming Green, um, you get to search through your library for Glass Pool Mimics uh, over and over and over again until you have five Woodland Bellowers in play, or possibly six if you have other clones. And then you can play a Hellraiser Goblin that you can grab out to give your whole board haste and immediately try to attack for lethal. Um, So this is a sort of quote-unquote instant kill combo or or one one turn kill combo in your deck that also has the hibernation. Um, I don't know how good these decks are um, and Cave Dan's update added Karn to the deck as a sort of backup plan since we were already playing Arbor Elf Utopia Sprawl since that is one of the most powerful early game mana engines in modern. Um, I don't know if it was just bad luck on the the run with uh, the the Cave Dance tweak with the the Karns or if the original version with Eternal Witness and some Cryptic Commands was just better. Um, But neither of those seemed particularly great, you know? But um, they're interesting, and if anyone out there wants to delve into the Woodland Bellower combo decks with uh, Painter Servant here, um, I will say there's definitely something there. Um, Having the combo kill is good. The Hyra Nation plan is solid. But... Um, when I was looking at this hibernation idea, I realized that the painter, of course, is an artifact. Um, the artifact mana engine we all, we, we are obsessed with and we just keep coming back to is our good boy, Kinnan Bonder Prodigy. And I was thinking to myself of how best to marry those ideas. Um, at the time, uh, I was really kind of interested in finding out how good jamming four of chalice in your main deck would be, um. So, as long as your deck has a reasonable um, control matchup, specifically control, because a lot of the mid range decks do rely on one mana interaction, um, as long as you have a reasonable control matchup, uh, having four of Chalice, I thought, would be pretty good. And my results have sort of held out that it is, it's pretty good. It's okay. Um, Obviously, a lot of the decks you're trying to hose are playing discard in the form of Inquisition of Kozilek and Thoughtseize, so it's it's not always easy to resolve your chalice. Um, but this this first shell that I came up with with the Urza Chalice Painter uh, was reasonably successful as I went along. I think we had a 3-2 League and a 2-3 League uh, that both felt pretty pretty interesting. Um, so we were playing two of Kinnan. We're playing some Emery's and Uro's and Urza's. Uh, Aethergust is another synergy piece with our uh, fun little painter boy because uh, you can start Aethergusting literally any permanent and any colored spell. So the whole thing here was pretty good. And then when you play uh, Hibernation with Painter, um, while you can do it on your opponent's turn and then just sort of start out on your turn with sort of a fresh, fresh, clean, totally scrubbed board... um, and you just start playing out your lands. This deck was also very, very good at uh, playing a hibernation on its own turn, creating a large, large amount of mana and replaying most of its hand. And that was really, with both decks, um, something that I was trying, trying to make happen, um, is that uh, the, the hibernation could be a sort of virtual game win, because what would happen is you'd get your opponent to pick up three to four lands and everything that they've played out by that point. And you immediately, you know, drop a Kinnon, and a Drum and a Mox Amber and an Uro, or an Urza, and uh, I, we did actually execute this multiple times to uh, good effect. So um, I don't know what other direction this could be tweaked, um, but I, I know we uh, we had uh, some reasonable success with this one as well. Arun?
2: So one question I have about this list, and I think it was actually brought up uh, when, you know, similar list you. Minutes of Faithless Brewing for the Brew Review and uh, Jerry and I think everyone on the podcast who mentioned this is you know uh, without wasted tutor for hibernation and with hibernation being pretty useless unless you have a painter on the field how did you know how did hibernation feel like what are the tensions in the deck like, did you was it able to work without hibernation like did you, oftentimes you have hibernation plunking up your hand without painter servant did you ever get totally wrecked when you cast at hibernation and they fatal push your painter
1: servant? Yes, uh, yes, 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 and yes. Um, <laughs> all, all of these things were true. Yes, it was clunky. Yes, I got wrecked um, on a couple times where I... There were times where I just straight up misplayed and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done it like that. And I opened myself up to failure and then I failed. Go figure. Mm, mm-hmm. um, one of the things I did like about this is playing um, Four of Emery with Painter's Servant meant that sometimes instead of having to draw the Painter's Servant, you could mill it and cast it out of your graveyard. Yep. The hibernation thing is really hard to figure out so for the 80 card version my very first speculative version for the uh, bant 80 card version sort of based off of brian's idea is possibly to play mystical teachings um this way you can play only one of a hibernation in your deck and you can have some sort of silver bullet spells um the other option that i think you brought up to me or maybe brian did is um is uh the scroll what is it merchant scroll merchant scroll uh, well that's only blue one instance in- yeah, one in a blue sorcery. Search your library for a blue instant and put it in your hand. Now, obviously, that's a lot more narrow. But, I mean, there's some good blue instants out there. I mean, there's... And you could play in your 80-card deck. You could play a Nexus of Fate for the late-game reach. You can play... Um, uh, Cryptic Command, obviously, is one of the best cards, and that's fine to have as a one of. And if you're playing Mystic Sanctuary, if you mill it over with Emery, you can pick it up that way. So mm-hmm. there's just a lot, a lot yeah. of ways you could try to solve this problem um but i do worry about in that 80 card deck getting really goofy because we're going to be like playing four of eladami's call and playing some number of court of calling and now we're fitting in an instant tutor package and it's like wow this is even in 80 cards it's hard to fit all that in there and also have your mana engine
0: so an interesting uh idea was brought up in the Faithless Brewing Discord by, I believe it was Odense. Uh Apologies if I got that wrong, but um, Odin's pointed out that Gifts Ungiven says you may pick up to four cards. And so if you only select two cards, both of those have to go to the graveyard. And uh, this is a good way to, you know, um, force things into the graveyard for like reanimator effects. Um, so this is, this is slightly uh, tangential, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring it home here in a second. Um, so an Esper list or something that wants to do some reanimator shenanigans could bring back both a painter and an Iona. Um, unburial rites, rights, for example, you could um, gifts ungiven for unburial rights, Iona, or whatever it is that you need. But similarly, um, maybe we could tutor some of these cards, like Hibernation to the graveyard, alongside something else that we may want. Uh, we could play cards like um, Underworld Breach or other ways to rec- recur cards out of out of the graveyard or cast them. Mission Briefing, Snapcaster Mage, you know that sort of thing yeah no Just and i hadn't mentioned thoughts. it um
1: this this week uh one of the decks that aspiring uh, spike was tinkering with and uh got his five zero with as he almost always does is a uh saltai gorio's vengeance uh mid-range control field of the dead pile uh in which he's using gifts ungiven in uh in a similar fashion to what you're mentioning there now I, i've never seen him go for the uh two of gifts pile he's always going for four but it usually involves uro life from the loam a fetch land and um and something else i I don't know exactly what i uh i I don't remember the uh, intricacies of the deck but it's definitely something that you can do um and the uh unburial rights iona package is sort of a well-known uh thing that's been around for a while in uh, a number of different esper shells so yeah it's i mean it's just so crunchy to try to figure out all the different options here and the iterations on these deck lists could be uh pretty endless
0: that's why we're here
1: um so yeah exactly well now i I like the very clean uh 60 card urza uh painter lists i not that i've tuned those to any great level um but if you want to do the sort of more linear stable thing i think this is an okay direction to go i'm not sure how much further it could be pushed than this i'm sure the numbers could be tweaked and it could get a little bit better that now that uh, bant version with all the all the mana and some number of gifts or some number of tutors for the higher nations, now that is going to be a, a much more colossal work
0: I, this is, uh, unrelated sort of, uh, or I I guess it's related, but I will say after watching your stream last night with Lawson, that was an awesome time. Uh, I would encourage anybody who's listening to, uh, we will link, um, the YouTube video of the stream in the episode description, go watch the stream, uh, regardless of the outcome or regardless of the, the deck Uh, that was just a a wild fun time. And, um,
1: I don't know. It it was, it was sweet. It was totally sweet. So, and and to, to, I mean, to bring that in. So what Lawson took this deck to do is he said, listen, hibernation is nonsense. We're not playing that card. All right. Not doing it. Not in modern. But what I am going to do is play four of veil summer. So if you name blue, uh, veil of summer will now provide your entire board with hexproof from everything and uh you you know that it's, it's pretty fantastic in that way you can even blow out people on trying to field of ruin you if you want to or uh use anything like that um and uh and um i'm trying to remember what was the other thing he had in here because i know there was something uh beer, sorry oh commandeer of course so he also realized that if you're already setting it on blue for the veil of summer uh, commandeer makes all the cards in your deck all the cards in your hand blue now you could just pitch those to force negation but commandeer the well-known card from cold snap for five blue blue is uh, has an alternate cost of exile two blue cards from your hand and gain control of target non-creature spell now it's a very interesting uh, thing here because uh, one, they can't Veil of Summer this. You're gaining control of it, you're not countering it. So if they Veil of Summer you, this is still gonna resolve, you're gonna gain control of their spell. The other thing we ran into a little bit in uh, Unfortunate variants is things like Blood Moon and things like Boil, this does not work particularly well against. You will control the Blood Moon or the Boil, they will still eat you alive. Uh, but you can do crazy things like steal your opponent's turn three to Teferi or turn four Jace, which we did. Um, so generally speaking this this deck is super hedged against the sort of four color greed piles or anything that's close to that and the matchup we had against miracles was uh, just a massacre
2: so I'm, I'm just gonna you know talk about this list a little bit I think we should give it to the listeners uh, this is actually a four color greed pile it's four veil four ren, three uro, or sorry three growth pile, three painter servant two force of negation four to fairy fun rambler, four uro Two cryptic, three verdict, two to ferry five, and four commandeer. Uh, so I mean, I think this is you know pretty cool and interesting. I would argue that this is more so just like a four-color value pile with painter, as opposed to a brew really round painter servant deck. But it's still you know insane, and I mean, I loved watching you commandeer and just like wrecking the opponent's day. That was great.
1: Yeah, No. It, it, and it definitely has very, very good play against uh, against some of the stuff that's out there right now. So um, it does need a little bit of work. Um, one of the things we noticed, we definitely want to go up on land count a little bit. It's very conservative at 25, um, considering that you're trying to grow, play a Gross Spiral euro deck. I, I think we've seen from most formats that those decks can go from 27 or 28, all even all the way up to 31, over 50% lands and still be very successful. Nasty. Um, that was a... I mean, it was a standard thing. I, I, that was that was something they were doing in standard. But it is you you are so um, benefited by never missing land drops that it really is something that you want to uh, make like a zero percent fail case. You Thanks, know? Field of the uh, Dead. That's I mean, yeah, that's what it is. Is that you have your win condition in your land base, um, and so there's just a lot of games where you just roll up to Field of the Dead and you just start winning, sort of by accident. Um, and you don't even need to cast a spell every turn on the way. You cast, like, a Ren and Six on two, and, you know, when you play Growth Spiral Uro in those middle turns, a lot of people don't want to interact with those spells, even if they do have a piece of interaction and they want to save it for a threat, and they, you know, it's it's just a, it's a very, um, the way you pressure your opponent with this kind of deck is, um, it's very difficult for a lot of the meta to deal with. Now, that is why we've seen the rise of things that just don't care, um, like Infect or Ad Nauseam, Um but you, you you do have plenty of game against those decks as well. So this was a super super fun time. Um, you know, I I am never the person who would have put this deck together initially because for me playing Painter Servant, I want to do something goofy like play Hibernation because that's just something you can't you can't get that you cannot get that otherwise um, in Modern. So. You know, I was, I was chasing the dragon. I wanted that unique experience here. Oh, yeah. Um, We're all
2: about chasing exactly. dragons on this podcast.
1: Hell, yeah. And chasing golems. Um, but... Uh, but uh, but Lawson put together something awesome here. He, you know he had a, a very different approach uh, than we did, and uh, it was it was a great time. He's also a fantastic streamer. I know we've plugged him before, Zanman fourteen fourteen on Twitch. When he does stream, uh, he'll often just grab stuff from the five O's. But he's also just got an incredible back catalog and a, a great mind for magic. And I'm always interested in seeing what he's up to. Um, frequent Nights, if I was planning on streaming, but I see that uh, Lawson's live, I'll just hang out in there all night because, uh, you know, I, I get a great benefit from, from doing so.
2: All right. So I think I, that's a lot of, you know, talk about Painter. I think I just want to kind of circle back and ask you both since, you know, I kind of took this week off from Painter and you both did a fair amount of work. What are your final thoughts and lessons learned on brewing around or with Painter and Modern? Do you feel you know, this is worth pursuing further? Do you think this is any chance of being competitive? And then kind of lastly, what payoff do you, what you want to, let's say other than Grindstone, what kind of payoffs would you want to see printed to make Painter a viable option or that would, you know, make you want to go back and stream and pursue this project further?
1: Um,
0: I actually think that Iona is a, a perfectly reasonable payoff. And if I could find a way to make that work more consistently or if I thought that the meta was a little bit friendlier to it, I, I think I would just keep jamming that. You know, like I said, it had a lot of trouble against aggro or against, you know, the Lava Dart decks. But if there was a way to shore up that matchup, um, I actually think that this is, is a, a, a reasonable deck, you know, in the same way that... Um, Karn, Mycosynth, Lattice just ended the game, you know, this, this just shuts your opponent down. They have that window where you cast Iona, or you cast Painter to, you know, present their interaction, and maybe they can kill one half of it, um, you know, I think that you probably want to cast your Iona first, because that's less likely to be removed, you're not going to Fatal Push it, maybe they'll path it, but uh, other than that window while you're casting the Painter or whatever, you know, they're kind of in an awkward position after that. Um, Some of these other lists, I think, look really fun, but there's more opportunity for the opponent to continue interacting. I think that if I'm playing Painter, I want to end the game on the spot. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, Like I said, I think that there's a lot of fun stuff to look at. Um, The multicolor stuff all seemed like it could be cool, but it just never panned out. And so... I think for me, it's sticking with Iona.
2: Makes sense. All right. What about what about you, Zach?
1: Well, um, yeah. For modern, the, the the synergy. So, for reference and for contrast, I uh, booted up um, uh, Legacy League, and I played uh, the the deck list I referred to last time uh, that was uh, posted by Jarvis. Yu, uh, no bad cards painter um, in Legacy. Now, in this deck list there's there's two things i want to highlight one you're playing painter alongside veil of summer which lawson highlighted as a, a good way to play that um but you're also playing red elemental blast and pyroblast now one the synergy here is that you get uh, one mana counter spell or vindicate now that's an insane payoff um But also, that format is decidedly filled with people trying to play blue soup decks full of Force of Wills, Ponders, Brainstorms, etc. So, much like Lawson's deck, you are not playing cards that have no value without the Painter for the most part. Um, And that's a huge, huge deal. Uh, Additionally, this deck has an instant kill with Painter uh, that is a lot cheaper than Iona. uh, (laughs) And then... Beyond that fact, um, there were plenty of matchups where you just sided out the painter because it turns out that if your uh, pyroblast, red elemental blast, and veil of summers are live, the rest of the deck featuring oko thief of crowns is good enough to carry you on on its own. So, so when we look at the fact that this deck is so successful in that format, and I say so successful, I mean it's not winning any challenges, not popping up in grotesque numbers. Although maybe it will. We'll we'll find out. Um, but when you take the lessons learned from from seeing all that going on, you take it to modern. Yeah, there's just no payoff for the mo- like Aethergust Gust. You know, is is just um, not as good of a meta card for modern as Pyroblast, Relimental Blast, and uh, and Veil of Summer are in Legacy right now. So um, that would be something if we saw a lot more people playing main decked Aether Gusts, then that would be uh, somewhere we could go. Uh, that would be the right time to do it. And then there's just the fact that Painter is pretty removable and people are playing removal that kills it. Like there's just a lot of lightning bolts around. There's just a lot of fatal pushes around. Um, So I think the most competitive way to play it is, as Brian's saying, with uh, the idea of playing the Iona Iona Lock. And I think the best way to play those two cards is each as a one-of. Um, potentially even in, as I've suggested uh, before already, um, the 80-card deck with a bunch of tutors. Uh, this decreases the chance that you draw the Painter, which is next to Useless on its own, um, and the uh, tutor package means that when you're ready for them, you go get these cards and you win the game on the spot. Um, one thing, I, one more thing I want to circle back around to is, while it is a two-card combo similar to Karn Lattice, uh, as Brian said, you have to play the Lattice in your deck with this combo, and the Karn in this case, the painter doesn't go get it for you. Um, that was one of the really obnoxious things about Karn Lattice. Is not only was it an incredible combo, Karn just sat there and grabbed it for you. Um, and <laughs> as someone who's in Legacy, I was playing some of the uh, Mono Blue Karn Echoes deck. Um, and without getting into the the technical um, uh, uh, readout of what that deck does in, in general. Having Karn on the board and a close to threatening amount of mana that's sitting around is is a huge deal. I mean, I, I you guys probably remember when Etron was riding high with Karn and Lattice Lock um, potential, and there were just so many games that sort of accidentally ended on the spot where you they would play Karn and they would go get something and cast it, or or even not cast it on that turn, and then the next turn you would do stuff, but you would realize, wait a minute, they have six or more mana. If I let them, they're just going to end the game on the spot, and that's the reason it was banned out of modern. Is is uh, this was, you know, not, I mean, Wizards said it's not intentional, which I of course believe. You know, they don't look at the entirety of the Magic card pool when they're designing cards that they know are going to go into these uh, Legacy formats, um, and I, I think modern is better for not having it. Um, this combo, the reason that, that we're not seeing anyone playing Painter Iona is, as I mentioned, because it, it doesn't fulfill itself. Uh, but that said, it still could, could be very good. It's sort of our version of going uh, for, like, a Kiki Resto uh, line, uh, where, you know, you just play a couple of those combo pieces in your deck, and if you incidentally win the game, then you're, you're happy. Um, so I think that could be the place it gets to. Now, the question is, is it ever going to be better than Kiki Resto? Probably not, but... Uh, you know, get out there and test it, and we'll find out.
0: Yeah, just uh, as a, a little follow-up, um, something that I, I hadn't mentioned earlier, but I did manage to hardcast Iona in a couple of games where I had drawn her. And on her own, she's actually not bad. You know, if you're playing against Red Black Scourge, or you're playing against Mono Red or, or a Titan deck, like you know what color you want to name with her. And locking your opponent out of, you know, half of their deck is already pretty solid. She's a 7-7 seven, seven flyer, um, so, you know, I, she's super expensive, right? Like, 9 mana is not cheap, <laughs> but if you've got the mana to cast her, she's actually a pretty good beater on her own,
1: um, mm-hmm. you know. And you can flip into her with Kinnon, which is a great payoff for that yep. card too. So, yep. um, and and uh, that's, I mean, the reason I'm hesitant about the... Uh, about trying to get any hibernations into the deck 60 card or 80 is because reducing the creature count when you're already planning on playing you know four Eladomri's Call and four Chords or, or some number of Chords and some number of Path to Exile so that you just don't die playing Modern, You, everything else should try to be creatures and as many as possible would be great if you could flip into good cards off of Kinnan. It's a yep. really difficult uh, balancing act. I know Jiggy has tried before <laughs> on numerous occasions. Um, so, are we ever going to be able to crack it? Maybe. Is there a cracking it? Maybe. What's the ceiling on this? I don't know, but uh, it certainly could be interesting to find out.
0: I mean, that was kind of the go-to mode for the decks that I played. You know, I found mm. more often than not, I was spinning Kinnon. Um, and There were a couple times I whiffed, but there were a couple really sweet plays where, you know, somebody points a thought at me or something, and I spin into a shalai. That always feels pretty good. (laughs) Hell yeah. Alright. Well, uh, why don't we uh, put a cork in this one, and um, take a little break. When we come back, we will uh, revisit some old projects this week in lieu of a brew around card. Stay with us.
3: And now a word from our sponsor. Faithless Brewing, a name that means so much to all of its fans and patrons. But what does it really mean? A legacy of quality brews, pioneered in Minnesota, and now with nationwide production from the Carolinas in the East to Washington in the West. Brewmaster David Robertson hand-selects from over 18,000 unique magic cards, some unknown vintages, some modern flavor of the month's, and combines them weekly into brews of a delicious character spicy sweet hot fresh and strong these fledgling combinations are then vetted and quality controlled by a head of competitive testing damon alexander who's always abreast of changes in their field and ceo daniel Shriver, who has never ceased to have a hands-on approach to testing and enjoying their product the result brews that have uplifted and inspired a community of people who stand by faithless brewing professionals even dip their toes into the faithless fold and have presented these brews to the world to great success sounds good? you can join in by listening to faithless brewing every week available on your podcast player and if you like it A small weekly contribution allows you to take part in the Discord where you can participate in community leagues with like-minded brewers and brew reviews where your own brews can be faithlessly roasted by experts and special guests such as Jerry Thompson and Everett Muhammad. Faithless Brewing. Some people say we have no standard. We say no standard is good enough for us
0: all right welcome back uh so this week in lieu of a new brew around uh we're actually going to be revisiting some old projects you know as i said in the welcome uh we are an iterative brewing focused podcast. and, you know, it's taken a couple of episodes to really get ourselves established with a uh, a breadth of projects available. But now that we've got some things out there, um, we want to start returning to some of these ideas. Um, so, you know, iteration is not always about, uh, banging your head against the same rock over and over. Um, sometimes you need to take some space. Sometimes you need to play with uh, different cards and different ideas to really fill out, um, you know, the the context of a greater meta and things like that. And so, you know, we don't always just harp on the same list week after week over and over, but we do have all of these lists in the back of our mind as we're playing. And so. Um, You know, I think moving forward, we're going to be coming back to some of these a little bit more frequently. Uh, We'll continue to um, have new projects and new cards and new brew arounds, of course. But more frequently, I think you're going to see us returning to some of these older lists. So um, with that said, Arun, I know that you have been iterating on some older lists. What have you got for us this week?
2: Oh, yeah. So, you know, very excited for this episode. As I mentioned, I had some super speculative brews. Uh, And when, you know, I say super, I mean like super speculative for me and so, you know, they don't go so well, just sometimes you just want to win, you know, like I think you kind of for a similar reason why I managed to finally convince you to pick up a tier one, tier two deck like Red Black Scourge, like, you you know, sometimes you just want to win. You just want to taste that victory. You want to make sure that, okay, it's not, it's not me as a bad magic player because I just won four, two leagues in a row. It's because I'm playing with some super speculative brews that like are not even remotely close to being good. Or at least not remotely close to being polished yet Uh, so uh, I was you know so taking a break from Painter I you know I'm I'm a sucker for Mentor like Mentor is a lot of fun Uh, I really think the card is crazy powerful and you know I wanted to win so how do you go about winning if you also love Mentor well luckily I had a trophy list already from a long time ago that I trophied with and kind of let that go Uh, but you know then kind of going back to it's like okay if I want to win I should start with this trophy list so this was uh, from August 18th. Pretty crazy. Long time ago. Uh, this is Bant Mentor to go over the list. this is so this is to go over the 5-0 list. You have four Noble Hierarch, four Kinnen, four Stoneforge Mystic, four Emery, four Mentor, and four Uro. And then four EE, four bobble, four amber, one Aether Spell four drum, one Sophie, one batter skull, and then eighteen lands. Uh, you know, all the bent colors. So this is what I wanted to start with. The changes I made, I swapped the Noble Hierarchs for Utopia Sprawls. You know, you just, I don't like my stuff getting darted, getting uh, bolted. And also Sprawl actually has some pretty good synergy with Monastery Mentor and triggering it, uh, which actually came up a fair amount of time. Hierarch does have the uh, Exalted, which is also good, but you know, I just wanted to try something new and uh, uh, with uh, Utopia Sprawl. My other change, as Zach always bothers me to do whenever I have a Bant deck without Teferi, the Funraveler, He's like, I I will not acknowledge this as a good deck unless it's got Teferi the Fun Raveler in it. And I honestly, I hate Teferi the Fun Raveler because I don't put it in my decks and then it's obviously it's busted so it goes in my decks and they do so much better. So I added, so I cut the Hierarchs and I for sprawl and then I just cut one Kinnon, one Mentor and I think one Drum and then I added uh, three Teferi Fun Ravelers. And I took this list through a league. I actually streamed it to the Faithless Brewing Discord, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and it was a very clean 4-1. I uh, beat Red Prowess, beat Blue Tron, I beat Blue Red Prowess, I beat Blue Green Titan with Cryptic nonsense. But then I lost to Yorion Amulet uh, Titan deck, which you know felt pretty brutal. I mean, they they just had the nuts. Game one, uh, they had the double amulet kill, uh, the, a double amulet turn three kill. Uh, beat them game two. Game three, they had amulet. They had double dismember for my Emory and for my Mentor, which, you know, and you probably run three in like your 80 card Yorian deck, but that, that just kind of lost some time. And they still had the turn four Titan. Uh, so that was, you know, that was pretty rough. Uh, but honestly, the deck felt great. It felt really good to be playing a powerful deck. Like, you know, it's kind of, if you look at the deck, it's kind of like Bant No Bad Cards, except maybe Spring Leaf Drum, you could argue about. <laughs> but it's, you know, like you have, it just has a lot of oomph, you know, Uro, like, Emery kind of has to be answered, because that's just card advantage. Stoneforge Mystic is also, has, it, you know, it's kind of amazing, because especially against the red decks, you grab Batterskull, like maybe you'll go for Emery first, Emery gets bolted, drop a Stoneforge. If they don't have the removal, you get a Skull, and like, you're probably in it. You know, like Stoneforge Mystic, definitely my guilty pleasure. It just, it's just so warm and comforting, like a warm, tightly wrapped blanket around you. It's just...
1: Oh, yeah its guaranteed value worst case scenario just goes get a batter skull doesn't even matter if it dies you'll just slow roll up cast that four four vigilance lifelink mm.
2: yeah so 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 good so uh the one thing that i did actually notice and it also costed me against the green titan deck is i think this needs a sort of feast and famine in the sideboard uh, just to get through the titans and the zombie tokens uh, but otherwise uh, you know the deck felt great uh the thing you know, Teferi, Time Fun Raveler was of course just like insane. Like You know, it's good on its own, but especially when you have a way to power it out turn two and then you know, you have like Mentor and just you have all so many threats that just need to be answered anyways. It's just, you know, the density of really good cards that are not fun if, you're, if your opponent's playing against them. Uh, and then you're with all the Mentor scenarios, etc. So those all felt really good. And then, uh, you know, so after doing that and feeling quite well, uh, you know, the other thing that I kept noticing is that kind of the ideal start for this deck is turn one Hierarch, turn two Mentor, then like free spell, free spell. Like, you know, like with that kind of rate, like with that, that's a hand that can often have, you can just raise combo decks by just, you know, casting a couple spells and killing them on turn three or turn four. Uh, you know, it's good against go like control decks, because now you've got three threats down, like your ch- tokens are good chump blockers. They're very good. You know, a lot against I face some death and taxes decks and the, you know, Them being white tokens is very relevant for any of the sword protections, so it felt, uh, yeah, it it felt really good. And you know, a four-one, all right, we got it, we got to run it back. See how we're gonna feel. Uh, So I made a a couple small changes. I made, I just, I just added. I went to four mentor, and I think I went down to two drum uh, because drum is good, but drum is also like kind of the weakest card. I really did wanna maximize just the turn two mentors. I wonder if we could even use some hierarchs. The one thing I want to say about drum is that. Drum and Mentor is actually, you know, if you have a mentor on the field when you cast Drum, you don't feel terrible about casting it. Whereas in any other situation, you kind of feel terrible about casting it because it becomes free uh, with the token, then you also get the token. Uh, so I actually, so then I made the small changes, I ran it back, and welcome to Mot. Oh, I guess the other interesting change I made is I wanted to try Life from the Loam, you know, a little more iterating. Life is. You know, as we like to say, if you squint really really hard, Life from the Loam kind of looks like red and Six in and Monogreen. Uh, that's not quite the case, but you know, it picks up your lands and your fetches. It, the dredging it is great for Uro. Uh, it puts Uro in the yard. The other thing I was really curious about is that sometimes you'll find yourself, like you'll have a battlefield with maybe three to four mentor tokens and they've killed your mentor. They've got two blockers and they're at like six life, so you really just need two spells or you've got one spell in your hand. It's like, man, I just need to top pick that second spell to get there. And if you have a Life from the Loam in your Graveyard, you can just dredge it and pick it up. And then the last thing is that with your Mishra's Bobble and with your other things, you just get a lot of extra card draw, uh, which is, you know, Loam is very slow because it's mana intensive and it steals the draw step. But if you have extra mana in the form of Kinnan, and the Kinnan Engine, and extra draw strips in the form of Bobble and, you know, uh, Spellbomb, gets a lot better. Uh, yeah,
0: Brian. Uh, as we had been talking about earlier, do you think that this might be a decent contender as a wrist deck? Um, so with wrists, you can enable Mox Amber a little bit earlier, um, and then the activated ability on it is six mana. But if you have some of the mentor tokens already out, and like let's say you just draw a land, you know, you're empty-handed, you draw a land. If you can activate the um, the wrists you get to make copies of each of those tokens that have prowess, which seems really powerful. Um, You know, one of the things I had noticed while watching you stream is that occasionally you're relying on the top of the deck. And so, you know, maybe risk sticks around and you get to activate it. And if you can make two tokens off of it, that that seems decent. Um, Maybe not, I I don't know.
2: And it's interesting, I mean, I kind of, you know, unfortunately, I think one of the reasons that this list is so successful is because it's ba- no bad cards, uh, and you know, you play off the top of the deck a lot, but you know, you can draw a Kinnan, maybe you got x to hit, you can draw a Stoneforge, get you a Batterskull, Emry, get you back in the game, maybe a an Uro, Mentor, you know, like, that's really good, Uro, you can probably escape it, EE wipes the board, Bobble, you know, like, just a redraw, just playing off the top of the deck, you know, you have a lot of good hits. If you had Wrist Redeemed, you know, I don't want to see Aristotle Redeemed off the top of the deck. I would much rather see like a skull or a yeah, Stoneforge Mystic. But that is that is an interesting thought, and it's something that I, you know, I think there's a different shell for it. But it, it is interesting, but I do think that just sticking with Bent... Unfortunately, I mean, though, honestly, I think I've said this a couple of times too, the one kind of sad thing, the thing that makes me a little sad about brewing in Modern right now is just the cards in some slots are just so powerful that you don't really have a choice, you know? like my deck got so much better and I put Teferi Fun Raveler in it, and, you know, it just felt insane and like, you know, that's almost like not a choice, like if you want to play the optimal version you need to put Teferi Fun Raveler in your deck and you just wind up, you know, like eventually you're just playing a whole bunch of good cards and you don't get to play the pet cards you want because the good cards are so good and you need to play the good cards to have a good deck.
3: Mm, yeah,
1: but I mean, it's tricky. But we but just... we'd at least have discovered Risky Redeemed as a uh, possible contender for uh, Ovia Pashiri as oh, the yeah. best one-drop legend you can play in your uh, 2019 Design Mistakes, 20, uh, 2020 Design Mistakes deck.
2: Oh, don't worry. I'll put them both in the deck at some point.
1: I mean, that's the optimal, right? You got a 5-0 with both. You got a 5-0 with both. <laughs> I mean, just one. Want one of each and be like, well, I never wanted to draw two of either of them. One, get one Tameo in there.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, we'll, we'll I'll go for this later. But then, so, I jumped back in the league, you know, with the Life from the Loam and the small iterations. And, of course, I went 2-3. woohoo! Modern. Modern. Uh, love, love this format. 4-1 into 2-3. You know, pretty classic. I 5-0'd into one fours though, so you know what happens.
1: Oh, yeah. You gotta hit those uh, averages. So
2: in this list, uh, in this league, I beat Green Tron. Uh, I beat Four Color Money. I lost a Monolith Prowess. Uh, oops, I pooped myself. And then I lost a Belcher. You know, losing to both those cards, double yuck, huge yuck. Uh, Loam was great and awful at the same time. You know, like when against the control decks, Loam was nuts. Against everything else, Loam was like slow and clunky. That means it's a sideboard card. Oh, yeah, that, that also, would be my
1: first thought about it.
2: I did. I forgot to mention. I did add them all of the Skyclaves to the main deck. Mm. Uh, faithless family member ill nasty mentioned it he's been working on a whole bunch of mardu stoneforge lists and he's been really liking it in this deck Mold of the skyclaves was awful like it just i never wanted <laughs> it was just like i never want it was crazy it's just like oh i like i well, most of the time i just wanted a fourth i never searched for it most of the time i just want the fourth. To, mentor. To,
1: to be fair you have a lot more mana than the mardu deck does yep. and uh a lot more creatures and so I feel like Maul is really good if uh, you're concerned about having enough creatures and you need something that's efficient and you can just, like, jump up and punch them. Plus, that deck has reach. You're not looking yeah. to do that. Um, Maul, Maul adding two power to your board is such a joke compared to the trigger that it provides for Monastery Mentor. Like, you'd almost be better off with Bone Saw. Um, as yep. a mana-efficient thing to grab with Stoneforge, and you just go, Stoneforge, zero-cost equipment, trigger my mentor. Like, that's almost better yeah. for this deck.
2: That actually... I am I actually kind of want to try that out. That seems, that seems like <laughs> a very good idea.
1: Don't do I, it! Bones- Listen, Bonesaw love- might be ready, but Modern is not ready for Bonesaw. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I think you actually brought this up in your stream where you mentioned Bonesaw, and my go to would be paradise mantle that's true then you can pop it on a creature and you get that extra mana out of cannon. yeah but the, um, the mana
2: wasn't too big of an issue but then also you know just making making my making anything at three two like didn't power that's a good point like what's it really going to do i don't even have any flyers to truly take advantage of it
1: right right
0: right. well now if you just play mall of the skyclaves yeah, you there get you flyer. oh there you go oh there we go yeah portals
2: no well. I, I will not I try not to play bad cards to play more bad cards. I do oftentimes, but when I do that, I lose pretty frequently, unfortunate.
1: Yeah, they, uh, but, I mean, the only reason to play a whack of bad cards is if you have a really obnoxious engine, see Grinding Breach.
2: So, after getting that 2-3 and facing those two combo decks, uh, made me a little sad, it's just like, you know, sometimes when i get sad i want to play combo also and just hate Mm. everything like punish my punish other people because i've been punished which is you know not a sustainable system but that's just kind of how things work sometimes i'm only a human being
1: listen an eye for an eye will leave the whole world blind but uh, i mean i'm sure we'll figure out how to live without eyes you know it might not be as nice but we'll we'll figure it out i mean we're not gonna die there we go
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i'm you know, I'm only a human, and I am imperfect, and as an imperfect being, sometimes I like to be degenerate. <laughs> and uh, so, for this list, I think I definitely do want to revisit it in the future. I'll keep tinkering with it. I think it needs four Mentor main deck and the Life from the Loam sideboard. And maybe Force of Negation too, I think, could be kind of interesting. You do lose Chikanta as the companion, but I don't know. I think it might just need, especially with all the extra legends you have. But kind of like how I mentioned uh, this and how, I think Brian made a really good point when we were talking about, uh, when he gave an introduction to the section, where part of having all these different projects is that as you play with one project, you kind of get inspirations for the others. And so I wanted to go back to Breach. Uh, so actually I will, uh, I guess I'll hand it off to Brian for a little bit because I don't want to go into a huge monologue because I kind of have a sequential story that kind of popped up. Uh, So Brian's also been revisiting some old projects or been thinking about it. So I'll let him go to it and then maybe Zach, and then I will enter. I will talk more deeply about how I decided to be a degenerate.
0: Sounds good. Uh, So I haven't been really pursuing anything outside of painter for the past couple of weeks. Um, But I, you know, like, like Arun said, uh, while we're playing these other things, you know, we've kind of always got other projects in the back of our mind Um, for me. I always come back to Wurza. It's the deck I'm most comfortable with and one of the ones that I enjoy playing most. Um, you know, I love the fact that you can sort of tune it for various metas with the, the silver bullet were targets and things like that. Um, and so you know, given what I've been seeing in the meta and this just abundance of fast and red decks, um, I'm kind of interested in revisiting Wurza and maybe looking at Jeskai. Um, I think that main deck Teferi, uh, Fun Rabbler, as you like to call him, is actually a, a pretty good call right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, It's good against the Uro, Omnath, uh, control decks. It's good against Mono Red because it forces them to play at sorcery speed. And so you can have some real blowouts if they go to pump their uh, prowess creatures and, and whatnot, move to combat, you know, you Aether Gust it back to the top of their deck or whatnot. Um, So I think that could be pretty good. Um, And uh, on a a different axis there and still in the Urza space, I was having a lot of fun playing with Arcbound, Ravager, and the Ozolith. And I'm not sure that I would ever want to add the Ozolith to a Urza deck exactly, but I think that there are some (laughs) Ozolith scales type shells to be explored that could also play Urza or were incidentally. so not necessarily going for the full, you know, Urza-Thopter sword combo, but uh, much in the same way that we had looked at uh, alternative shells with Urza that were looking to be a little bit more aggressive. I think that, you know, all of these um, modular creatures and um, other aggressive uh, artifact creatures present some interesting um, Areas for exploration, and I I do think that Ozolith is underexplored. You know, everybody kind of jammed it into, um, you know, sort of scales type shells and looking to move plus one plus one counters around, but it doesn't just move plus one plus one counters, it moves any counters. Now, they have to be on creatures, but there are ways of turning things into creatures or taking things that were not creatures and, um, you know, copying a creature as we've seen with uh, Dice Factory. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I did with a dice factory list was add Healy Sublime Artificer. And then what you could do is copy something like a Surge node with six uh, counters on it to, um, you know, copy it to, to something else like uh, uh, an ever flowing chalice. And now you have a chalice on six. Well, similarly, maybe we can, you know, mess around with some counters action. Turn something into a servo, sacrifice it, you know, move those counters to the ozolith. I'm not really sure where we're going from there,
1: but you know huh. ideas dark ideas steel about. reactor anybody
3: oh
0: yeah, and now that we're was talking my, my language stuff to mess with
1: yeah i'm not yeah. I'm not telling you what to do with this list, but I am telling you that the last episode of uh faithless Brewing that I got to be on Dave Robertson himself was enthusiastic about the idea of sahili with uh with the uh, surge node so uh i mean not to not that he is uh, infallible in his reads of interesting things to do with cards but you know if he's uh if his interest is peaked uh then i i have a hard time believing that it's uh, it wouldn't at least be incredibly interesting and crunchy and, and there would be some kind of out for it i mean it really sounds like for this would sure. be you know, let's, let's refer to ourselves as more of maybe the against the odds of brewing podcasts and, uh, just try to go for the achievement unlocked of win a game with Darksteel reactor, because that just sounds sweet, right?
0: <laughs> well, and I, I think that, um, beyond just the Ozolith, there are, uh, you know, there's proliferate as a mechanic, which is again, used in scales. I know that the scales list typically run some number of throne of geth, um and i know that the green black yawgmoth decks sometimes make use of yawgmoth's wait a minute no 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 no, no 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 um, i got it
1: i got your card here i got your card right here jiggy are you ready for the card how we're gonna combine with the Ozolith and all this nonsense
2: uh one sec i want to mention it real quick you gave us this list brian like you gave zach and i this list a long time ago and We made some modifications. I think Zach actually made a 4-1. His only loss was to timing out while he was doing a Paradox Engine combo with it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was pre-Astrolabe. So, yeah, we had a blue-red 80-card version of this. Blue-red Dice Factory, I believe it is, on my um, YouTube. And, yeah, yeah, we did 4-1 with it. But, I mean, that was a different era. It was the pre-Astrolabe days, So, I don't... Yeah. True. True. I mean, it, 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 I've been more more than impressed with Witching Well. Um.
0: Uh. I was just gonna say, you know, Dice Factory is still a deck.
1: No. No. Yeah. It is. They. I mean, I, I put in earlier in the show notes that um for the prelim there was a three one on Dice Factory, but your blue red Dice Factory was the really innovative thing because you were playing Saheli Rai, with the with the surge node and everything, and uh and I did and I did get a four one and that was a deck that was playing, uh sort of a a no interaction Urza list as we've seen a lot of the more recent ones uh, uh, have found some amount of success with, so it might be worth revisiting. Um, again, I, I've been surprisingly heartened by um, Witchingwell uh, as a replacement for Astrolabe. It's not anywhere near as good, but it exists, and uh, it's not as bad as, uh, as it sometimes could have felt like it would be. Um, but, okay, so, so but we got the card. We got the card. You want to do something with the Ozylith? Check this out. Simic Ascendancy. And I know people talked about this when it came out and possibly when the Ozleth came out, but uh, it is a blue and green for an enchantment. So two mana, all right? Listen, if you're going to play a bad do-nothing card, you want it to be as cheap as possible. This is pretty cheap. says, one blue-green activated ability. Put a plus-one, plus-one counter on target creature. Okay, fine, whatever. When... One or more plus one, plus one counters are put on a creature you control. Put that many growth counters on Simic Ascendancy. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Simic Ascendancy has 20 or more growth counters on it, you win the game. So if you can get 10 counters on a creature, have that creature die, move the counters to the ozolith, move the counters from the ozolith to a creature, you're there. You're done. Interesting.
0: That shouldn't be that difficult, actually. That's what I'm saying. Is it a good idea? Probably not. I mean... especially with these modular creatures getting the
1: counters is hey even arcbound ravager on its own if you get 10 counters on the ravager stack the ravager you're done move the counters onto another creature yep, yep. So... Uh, ravager is a sweet card right now of course you could move those counters onto an ink moth nexus and attack your opponent but that's that sounds like quitter talk <laughs> yeah
0: yeah why would fair you do that fair, fair why would fair. you do that Uh, So the other thing that I've been intrigued by, um, as I said earlier, uh, Arun convinced me to play some red-black Scourge, and I really enjoyed playing with Death Shadow. Um, Now, Death Shadow is something that I had briefly considered but not actually tried in a Lazav list, and now that I've played with it, uh, I think I'm more inclined to give it a go with Lazav. Um, You know, I think that Scourge of the Skyclaves, like I said, is a powerful card. But it puts a lot of the control in your opponent's hands, um, whereas Death Shadow is really asking you to perform some particular actions. Now, my thought is that maybe Lazav can act as that two-mana copy of um, Death Shadow. So, you know, whereas before you were playing things like Gurmag Angler or Tarmogoyf to try and have an additional density of threats, now maybe you can play Lazav. You're sort of in the, um, uh... Kroxa, Kroxa, Kroxa,
2: Kroxa, Kroxa,
0: Kroxa. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I was getting to that. So, (laughs) so, uh, you know, you're in the, the blue-black space, which I think is, um, Pretty good for a Death Shadow deck to be. Um, you know, Stubborn Denial is an excellent card. Um, being able to copy your Death Shadow with Lazav seems like pretty big game. And then, yeah, uh, as Arun just said, we have Kroxa in there too. And so now we have an abundance of hits or copy targets for Lazav. Um, we get to stay in the Grixis space, which I think is uh, are, are really good colors right now. You know, you have access to your hand disruption, you have access to Lightning Bolt, Fatal Push, all of these uh, excellent, excellent tools. So I think that there might be something there worth pursuing, and I think I'm definitely going to give that a shot. Nice. That's good.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. This is, you know, in the Lazov space, I've always been curious about the shadow, but I, I never took it up, so I'm glad that. You know, you've been inspired to take it up. I think it's a, I think it's going to be a very unique, very powerful, uh, just thing to try.
0: Yeah. How about you, Zach? Do you have anything that uh, is particularly intriguing to you right now?
1: Oh well, right now, I mean, I'm really interested in the resurgence of Urza, Lord High Artificer. Love uh, <laughs> card. Um, I mean, not to uh, push us particularly or commit us in any direction, but I I, I think um, all three of us are vaguely interested in exploring the landscape of legacy. So uh, if anyone is interested in that, stay tuned for uh, some sort of upcoming content from us that might push in that direction because it would be nice to have an alternative format to brew in and to check out from time to time. As we were saying earlier, it's uh, important to work on a brew until you feel like you've learned something. And then move away from it and allow yourself to be open to other ideas, other approaches, other perspectives. And new formats do the same thing in a way. Um, It's, uh, you know, when you go in with something, I mean, Mark Rosewater has talked about game design a lot and he says, the learning phase is usually the most fun for most people. And, uh, and the, the fine tuning and mastering is a lot more tedious. It feels a lot more like work. Um, So, uh, you know, not that we're not here to uh, not do any work. Obviously, we're willing to put in the legwork sometimes. Uh, We have, you know, we've done articles. We've done deck write-ups. We've done all sorts of crazy stuff and burned an infinite amount of tickets. (laughs) Um, But... Uh, and then, uh, let's see, for, for Modern Brews I want to play, I definitely want to check out some Teamer Song of Creation with, uh, I, I don't know what kind of brew exactly, Jiggy just hit me with something really awesome that we're likely to see on my YouTube channel uh, reasonably soon, which might be Grinding Breach Arrayo and um, Song of Creation. It's just, oops, all engines. Um, and uh, <laughs> I would love to find a way to put together my Bant Painter deck with all sorts of the tutors and stuff and uh, try to come up with a semi version optimal of, version of that. And, uh, oh, i am still got the monkey on my back for a red-green um, uh, Assault Loam. Um, mm-hmm. Probably should just jam in some Magmatic Channelers right now. That card is banging um, and just generally is, is, a, is a rock-solid card for modern. So... Putting more good cards into your deck is uh, is usually a good way to move towards a victory of some kind. So sad,
3: yeah. So sad.
2: That's what modern has come down to: is playing good cards.
1: Oh, oh! It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. This it's a tragedy. It's a travesty of a format where you have to play good cards. Um, but uh, you know, those those are all the general things I would like to explore um, for uh, Christmas Eve uh, as a gift to all the wonderful people who have given me so many views on YouTube. I, uh, replayed one of the archetypes that has gained the most views, which is of course, uh, lantern control played a black green version and we got horribly stomped. Uh,
2: surprise. surprise.
1: Yeah. Well, the previous runs we had felt a lot more hopeful. This one, uh, was pretty brutal. Mm. Um, so it just does not seem like that's anything like the kind of environment that we have right now. and, And, and that's fine. Um, but uh, there is a wonderful world where Mox Opal and uh, all of my friends are still legal, and it's called Legacy. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned before, we might be doing a little exploration of that. And it just feels so fresh and new to me. And it's like coming mm-hmm. home where you get to see your, your friends like Astrolabe and Mox Opal and Oko, and they're all there. And you know what? <laughs> you know what? It may be its own environment with its own set of problems. But when those problems, when you haven't seen them for a while, or you're not so inundated with them, or you're not just, like, listening to the endless amount of band talk about your favorite cards, Uro, cough cough, um, it's just a different feeling, you know? And uh, expanding your your world is, you know, probably probably a healthy choice a lot of the time.
2: So I'm gonna kind steal, of steal from there, and on the topic of good cards, and continuing my I hate the format and want to be a D-gen, uh, you know, like... <laughs> After after losing to uh, Belcher and Oops, it's just like, well, I want to be messed up too, and the most messed up thing that I've been messing with is Breach and Grinding Station, uh, Grinding Station Underworld Breach, which is a two-card combo that wins the game if you have, I think you still need one mana and a zero CMC artifact, but it, it pretty much, it's almost just a two-card combo. Uh, and so there's a couple ways to do this. I've been really, I talked about this a couple episodes ago too, I've been really into a, um, a, a Tamer list uh, that uh, plays, you know, Renin-6 and Uro, so it's just like a Ren 6 and Uro value, Kinnon value deck. Uh, and then you've also got Brinding reach because, you know, nothing matters in Modern anymore. Uh, so this list, uh, to go over briefly what I started with, is three Goose, three Kinnon, one Oracle, four Emery, four Oro, four Renin-6, two Blast, three EE, four Bobble, four Amber, three Drum, four Grinding Station, four Breach, and then 18 lands. And so, you know, once again, the goal is to overpower your opponent with Uro until they scoop and if they haven't scooped, then you just breach them out, uh, which works, you know, surprisingly well. You're, I mean, all of these cards are like 20, 2019, 20, 2020 20, staples. Uh, so once again, as <laughs> interesting year for Magic. Uh, so I, you know, I felt last time I played this list I got a four-one. I felt pretty good. So I ran it through league again, got another four-one. My only loss was to Eldrazi Tron that had Naditron into Conjugate Creator on the play game three. Uh, you know, feels bad. I hate that. I hate, I hate facing Karn. Uh, the deck felt great, uh, but Zack had actually played this a little bit too, and he'd mentioned to me that the big issue uh, he would have is that, you know, sometimes the Uro meth doesn't always get there, and then it's very hard to find and recur Breach in this deck. Uh, because you don't have any actual tutors for Breach, and you're just kind of hoping that between your Uro plays, swings, and your baubles, and embreach will get there eventually. But it doesn't always happen. Uh, so the iterate for this next league, I cut two Galvanic Blasts and a Drum, uh, so down to two Drum. I went up to four Goose, because I think Goose is just always better than Drum. Uh, and then I added two Temio, uh I forget her name, but the, the one from uh, War of collector, of tales? collector of yeah, Tales? Yeah, Collector of Tales. Not uh, the Moon
1: Sage, and not yeah. uh, something Researcher, which is the Bant one. Tamio, cl- Field Researcher, there you go.
2: Tameo Collector is kind of like my, my white whale in modern. I just love the card. I love the concept. On paper, it looks beautiful, but every time I play it, it, like, doesn't quite get there.
1: Well, uh, but, 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 but almost every time you register in a league, at least once, you run into one of those matchups where you go, okay, if I resolve this card, it's lights out.
2: Yeah, if, if you've never gone been on the play and go turn two Tamio against Jund, like you're really, you're really out. It is. <laughs> I
3: did do that. It was great. It,
2: it is insane. It's just, they just kind of sit there and it's just like, well, okay. Uh, so in this league, I made a 3-2. Uh, I lost to four color money and Oops. I hit Magic and I beat Amulet, uh, Tron and Jund. I've been, I faced Tron once a league now, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I kind of like it. Well, actually, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, because they play Karn, the Great Creator. Uh, but if they didn't play Karn, it would be a fun matchup. Uh, but see, I never do... run
1: into that deck, and I play a lot. It's just yeah, one of those things every, where there's just like a few crazy. hardcore people out there, and you must just like have the same schedule as them.
2: Yep, yep, yeah. It's Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good thing. You know, Karn is good against artifact decks. Who no, would it's,
1: it's, it's just generally a good deck. It's one of the best Tron variants right now. I mean, we didn't see it in this uh, previous week of results, but uh, in the last couple weeks, other than the one-off... E-Tron, uh, it's generally been more successful than Green-Tron.
2: Yep. And so overall in this league, uh, Temio was expensive and slow, sometimes great, sometimes awful. Once again, sounds like a cyber, sideboard card. Uh, kind of interestingly, you know, adding a card like Temio is pretty cool because by the plus one acti- ability where you name a card and mill the top four and put the card in your hands if you mill it, it's really interesting because it, you know, every time you have a Temio, it's kind of forced you to think, what do I want most in this situation? And so I plus I actually kept track of this because I was pretty curious. I plus Temio six times in four games. Uh, four times I actually named Mox Amber, and only two times for Breach. And the reason why that was is that often you play Temio and you plus, you don't have the two mana to Breach, and then to uh cast breach and then you know either cast grounding station or just you have it in play oftentimes you didn't have enough mana to do everything in combo the same turn that you find it with Tameo. so uh and then if you mill a breach you can just grab it next turn with Tameyo's uh minus anyways and so oftentimes i just wanted the instant value where you know like mox amber is a mana i can use right now oftentimes for something so that was you know that's I thought that was a pretty interesting finding, like I definitely wasn't expecting. I was expecting Tamiyo was going to always be trying to help me to find Breach, but it was cool to see that, you know, Tamiyo actually went for Amber a lot, and Tamiyo went to Amber was a pretty sweet line. Uh, but honestly, I was hoping to do better, you know, I've taken this in three leagues and I have 3 four ones with it, and then I made some changes too that, you know, seemed like they'd be good. Uh, the, so the 3 was a little disappointing. The deck did feel great, uh, but sometimes it just felt like the opponents drew better, but you know, there's I had one of the... I lost a 4-color control in two games, and neither were very close. One of the games I even was on the plate, I had turned to Ren, which resolved into Uro, and just started valuing them. Uh, but they were just able to tempo me out with Remands into Omnath into, to, into Teferi Five, and then have Force Negation, and like that's all she wrote. So it, you know, the this was kind of when the disjointed game plans, you know, just like the Breach, being almost, you know, independent from the Uro and Random Six game plan kind of costed me there. But you know, I'm playing these busted 2019, 2020 cards, and me, my busted cards losing to their busted cards makes me feel that my cards weren't busted enough. Uh, you know, like there's something, some something is quite wrong here. Uh, so it made me a little sad, and you know, so lost my place again. Uh, how can we make the best breach deck? You know, I love. How can we be extra, extra, extra degens? And so, you know, what goes well with Breach? Well, Luris and Breach is disgusting. Uh, what goes well with Luris? Unearth and Luris is disgusting. It looks like we need Emery start going down these things. It's like, you know, Croxa and Lazav, because I'm a huge fan of Luris recast Croxa. That's just like, that is my jam. It is so brutal. And then, you know, so we now got Breach, Luris, Unearth, Emery, Croxa, Lazav. You know, it sounds like we got a stew going. And I realized that I actually have a list like this from earlier that I'd forgotten about. After I made the list, I'm like, let's try it. And I jumped into a league and I ran into goblins, red black goblins. And game one, uh, I'm turn three mid combo. I'm breaching them out. It feels great. And I go halfway through my deck and it's just like, huh, I haven't seen Thastis Oracle yet. And it's just like had this kind of, oh shit. I think I made a mental note that I need to add the Oracle and I didn't. And so I looked at my deck list, and there was indeed no Oracle.
1: <laughs> so hold on. And oh, and and then we should have had a bet on it, because between me and you, one of us was eventually going to do it, and you did it first. You exiled your Thassa's Oracle while you were comboing, right? Yeah. Well, th- yeah.
2: Th- well, this was different. And oh I, no, I no, no! Won- I'm just
1: saying. Like you, you, you did two great. And let me let me remind everyone: Jiggy has more five O's than I do. Jiggy is a better player. Fantastic brewer, so whenever you make a dumb mistake, just remember, even the greats, even oh, the greats, yeah.
2: all the time. And so you know, after when mid turn three, I just I just shame scooped and then I kind of dropped the deck. Uh, yep. I guess you know I must have. I still want to pursue the deck, but I think just you know maybe I was playing like this will be like the last match of the day or something, or just test this and then something else got my <laughs> attention and I forgot about it. Uh, but oh. you know, this also works kind of too because oh like you know this is product off also. Uh, so, I this is here's the list that I'm about to share, and honestly, I really, I love this list. We've uh, got 4 croaks, 4 Lazab, 1 Thassa's Oracle, 4 Emery, 3 Luris, 3 Unearth, unearth 3 EE, 4 Bauble, 4 Amber. The original list had 4 Chromatic Star, but I switched to 2 Star, 2 Drum, 4 Grinding Station, and 4 Breach. And then 19 lands, including a Witch's Cottage, because, uh, you know, just want to try that out after hearing a sparring Spike uh, talk about he thinks it's really good. So this list is really interesting because you've kind of got two game plans. You've got Kroxa into Lazav, and then you just beat their face down, and you've also got the Breach, and then unearth and Lurus ties everything together. Um, honestly, this list felt amazing. I jumped into a league, I had a super easy 4-1. Uh, I lost to Oops I Hate Magic, uh, that beat me twice on turn 2. I beat 4-Color Money, I beat the Blue-Green Titan Cryptic Pile, I beat Bluetron once again. Uh, seriously, every once every league I run the Bluetron, it's kind of nuts. Uh, and then i beat black white stone forge which was you know kind of a joke. Uh, the deck the deck felt insane sometimes just like it there were especially this black white stone forge deck it just felt like we were playing totally different games. Like they were playing standard and i was playing legacy. It was just like they couldn't do anything. Uh,
0: i i can see why um, this list would feel a little bit better than the uro list. I think in my mind um uro is probably the better card in a vacuum but for this sort of deck i think the card advantage that you get by making your opponent discard is a little bit more powerful right like you're not really looking to dirtle around you just want to kind of disrupt their game plan as much as possible while you're you're going to combo and i think that this does that a lot more effectively um so i yeah i really like the the interactions here this does seem like a super sweet i also
1: isn't I think okay, that it, it's consistent with my uh, impression of a lot of the successful Urza decks, in that it's just totally eschewed uh, most of the interaction you'd expect to see, in terms of just being fully dedicated to the combo. And then, yeah, you've got this Kroxa Lazov engine, but it's not like overcommitted to um, to being just like random interaction. Like this is this is a plan that will win games. This isn't a thought seize, right? Yep. This isn't that kind of interaction. It's not a metallic rebuke. Like this is a a proactive like tr- sort of it's proactive disruption and it attacks on a different axis. And I could see very clearly why four color money pile would actually have a lot of problems with this deck.
2: Yeah, it was honestly Kroxa and Lazav they just like they exceeded all my expectations. It was mm-hmm. kind of nuts how fast mm-hmm. those things end the game, especially like sometimes you just go turn 2 like, you turn to Lazav and you mill a Kroxa, and it's like, alright, if they don't deal with the Lazav, then I'm going to be swinging for 6, they're going to be pitching a card. If they do deal with the Lazav, you know, then I have Grinding Station and a Breach still in my hand. So well, it's
1: just... This, I mean, you, you I've, I have saw you turn to Kroxa and they pathed it, and it was like, ooh, that's oh, ah, not oh. good for you. Oh, That's
2: ah, I mean, not good for you.
3: Helping.
2: Yeah, it's... You know, think about this deck, like... I think it's just the big thing with threat density, where every single card is a must answer. It's going to take over the game. Like, Lazob copying Croxa will end the game. Croxa itself will, L game. will end the game. Lurrus will end the game. Breach and, you know, Breach and Grinding Station will end the game. So it felt, honestly, it felt great. Croxa, you know, just, I won through Titans, I won through Active Fields. Like, Croxa doesn't care about your blockers. Croxa will still, like, dumb you for three and then you recast. Like, I've had several turns where you just, like, recast Croxa. Like, you copy, you recast crocs with Luris, then you copy crocs with Lazav, you swing, then you escape Luris on like turn 4, or you escape crocs on turn 4, and like, you know, they're down 3 cards in the hand, they've taken like 7 damage, like they've taken 6 damage from discarding, and you swung with the 6-6, six, six. it's just, it was crazy. Uh, so then the one, you know, so, I, I loved this, it felt, it felt so good, uh, so it did feel pretty mana hungry, uh, so, you know, maybe this deck actually wants Drum, or maybe I'm fooling myself. Uh, probably the latter but anyways we went plus two drum minus two star Uh, i got another 4-1 in the next league my only loss was the Lurisburn burn that drew two four that drew four eidolon in two games Uh, i beat bluetron again you know seriously i ran i'm not joking when i say i ran to bluetron every league it's kind of nuts this one was actually shock trooper the legend themselves Uh, so that was pretty cool getting to talk to shock Trooper about it i beat green white heliod and sultai field and jund Again, the deck felt great. Breach is busted, like absolutely busted, and it's just, you know, a lot of times you can just start with these croaks of Lazov, and then they have to answer that, and then by the time they answer that, you just breach them out. And so it's just this, you know, these very compact threat packages that all Unearth and Luris just kind of ties it together. And as, as I think we've talked about a couple times too, and Zach has mentioned, Unearth into Luris is like an insane play. Like it... It is so powerful. It is just like, especially in this deck too. If you have Luris and a Breach and a Grinding Station in your graveyard, you can, if you top deck unearth, you can unearth the Luris, recast the Breach, and then escape the Grinding Station with Breach and win on the spot for
1: five mana. So random pitch, but if you found a little bit of room in this, you could be playing Areo. Yeah, Not... I've, I've tried,
2: I've tried Areo mm-hmm. in this before, and I think it. I think it's just a little on the slow side, you know, like, if I didn't, I think the, you know, just, Arrayo is not going to be better than Crooks and Resolve. Uh, is I think what it comes down to. Sure, I but mean, th- those is...
1: would those would be the slots that would probably be in jeopardy, yeah. and then basically what you're doing is uh, doing what the uh, the blue-black Urza Areo deck is doing, but your combo is, is Grinding Breach instead. Um, yeah. And... I think, by and large, you're playing worse cards then. Yep. So you, I think I think it does make sense to stay on on this plan. Uh, but I think it's just probably worth mentioning that like th- this looks in the core very similar to the the Esper Reo deck, except you're playing uh, red for for this combo, and it's just uh, you know it's just the the unearth plus all the artifacts. You know, uh, yeah. It just, it just reminded me of it. And I just wanted to uh, to reason out why Area would not be maybe a great choice, but it might be worth trying. I mean, you said you did try it, um, and it's yeah, this, is, this is this is probably good because it attacks on a different angle instead of having a sort of storm storm like uh, storm like combination of spells in a deck that is essentially a storm deck.
2: Yeah, it's, I think I'll probably try it again. Too. That that's a good at least maybe run it in the sideboard. Uh, so. The one, the one weakness of this deck is graveyard hate. Like it's all of the games that I lost. You know, I actually it has a lot of trouble beating a single piece of graveyard hate. Two is almost, two is pretty much impossible. But even you know, there are times where just one Nile spell bomb or just one crypt activation or one, uh, uh, a one uh, soul guide lander activation it was enough to stall me enough that like then the other control deck could like take over the game. But there's, I don't think there's any way around that when you're going to be a deck based around breach.
1: Yeah, I mean. Dredge has had a, a tiny bit of uh, ability to get in the meta, so maybe there's enough of an opening for a deck like this. That's, that's the kind of thing that I always look for when I'm thinking of, like, can we play a dedicated graveyard deck and just look yeah. around and see if there are any successful dedicated oh. graveyard decks. I,
2: mean, right. the, I think, oh yeah, go ahead, Brian.
1: Sorry. Uh, uh, so I was, I was going to say,
0: you know, you mentioned that you have compact threat packages, and uh, it looks from your results like you have a little trouble with Karn, and you say you also have some trouble with um, graveyard shenanigans, and so maybe this is an opportunity where because you have such small threat packages, you can cut one of the packages in favor of some sideboard death shadows, and maybe team or battle rage, and so now you have this pivot plan where you just like completely go aggro on them. Um, I am particularly interested in swinging with Acroxa and, uh, you know, team or battle raging it. Not that you can yeah, yep.
1: double trigger. That'll but, kill people real yeah. quick, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that exactly. That might
1: be a I really mean, interesting juke when you when you feel like that that's the direction you want to go. Yeah, and the you, other... You're already playing Luris, so, you know, mm-hmm. if they don't have the exact correct combination of stuff, you can kind of pressure them with... Like oh you kill my death shadow but then I just next turn I go lure's death shadow play it back out again so yeah, yeah. that's that's a cool cool plan the there.
2: other <coughs> excuse me the other option would be to you know just like maybe even sideboard the breach and grinding station package and play death shadow's main deck and you know when you really have to race you can just switch over to the or like oh you want more diverse threats you can serve the breach so that's definitely what I'll be uh, working on to kind of to make a long story short I ran it back again. Uh, they really wanted that five way. and i wound up going three two and uh you know my losses were just to either they were the karn or they were the graveyard aid like nile spell bomb so the same you know things pop up again and again and again uh but i do you know i want to work on the shell more and i will be exploring the shell more i just really like threat dense decks Yeah, they just they just make me feel some sort of way where like everything is like you deal with this or you lose uh but yeah it was you know i love this list this is Definitely what probably that's going to be focusing on for a little bit, uh, you know, we're going to be chasing that trophy.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you uh, if you check it out right now, the uh, on the finances, I mean, Grinding Station's tripled in price in the last uh, two weeks from 0.3 tickets to about one ticket, so uh, uh, you might uh, Here we go. The you Finance. Know, the GE finance. impact is, uh, is slow rolling its way, but it might be just, just about ready to pop. I bought mine three weeks ago. Hey, buddy. Woo. No.
0: awesome yeah well i think that's gonna do it for us this week um i guess uh, zach why don't you take us out with some
3: bumps and dumps yeah it's time for a little bit of bumps and dumps well i mean so we we can
1: co- kind of do 2020 in review for our bumps and dumps just just uh, saying goodbye to a year that had a lot of crazy crap going on um but for me, I mean, I went from being about nothing in magic content creation to having this podcast to having two episodes where I was on Serum vi- or on, on uh, Faithless Brewing, which was incredible. Um, you know, I've gotten to know all the people there. There's an incredible community. I've gotten to meet so many wonderful people like you guys, um, people all over the world. So, uh, I mean, it, in, a, in a way, it was uh, an incredible gift and opportunity. And, and you are the one who gets to make the choice of what you do with that. Um, so... You know, corresponding balance of bumps and dumps to 2020 for all the things it was and all the things it wasn't. But uh, I'm just going to remember the, 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 the wonderful things and the relationships and the, and the uh, memories that I, that I got to pull out of all of that. And then, uh, yeah, wow. It's just been in- incredible. Um, all of the uh, other content producers out there, big bumps to all of them because they are a constant inspiration. Um, they were entertaining before I was in it, and now they're uh, they're uh, inspiring now that I'm here creating right alongside everyone. And uh, big bumps to the two of you, because I wanted to mention to you guys that we have eclipsed 2,000 downloads Woo! of the Serum Visions podcast as of, I believe, today. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we were on 1,000. It was like, th- it feels like three weeks ago. So, yeah. Three or four weeks yeah. ago. So it feels like we're picking up a little steam here, and so thank you. every single person who listens to our ranting and raving and contributes in in any way um you know so thank you
0: well and on that note big old bumps to emma partlow uh that episode was a particularly popular episode i think um in no small part due to emma being there with us Mm -hmm. Um, i know she has a very large following and for good reason so uh a big old bumps to her
1: thank you hell yeah fantastic fantastic content producer and has inspired us to slightly slightly hotter takes you know <laughs> it's not uh it's not something coming fresh out of the microwave hot yet um but uh you know
2: no getting there We're no cowards there. here all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna give bumps to us definitely You like know, started this podcast and you know we've been really good about it which is exciting a huge bumps to like the content creators, especially Emma and also Dan, Damon and David from Faithless Brewing for just, you know, inspiring us and being super encouraging and just, you know, just being really, really great uh, and building a wonderful community in the Faithless Brewing Discord, which, you know, we've definitely been able to, you know, kind of piggyback on a little bit for this and, you know, just being a very welcoming, very warm, uh, you know, inspiring, happy people. Uh, So yeah, I mean, those are probably like my biggest bumps Uh, you know, I, I don't really have too many dumps. I think they've been going well enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm pretty happy, ended on a pretty happy note. 2020 was very strange. There was a lot of bad. There was also a lot of good. And, you know, we're just gonna have to go with 2021 and hope it's a little better.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know what I could say that would be, you know, uh, much better than what you guys have already covered. You know, I I think uh, Zach said it best with bumps and dumps to 2020. And um, here's hoping to uh, a different year. Um, I don't want to say better because I think you pointed out that there was a lot of upside um, to this year, you know, for me in particular, as a parent, uh, I have had the privilege of getting to watch my son grow up in a way that most fathers in particular don't get to. Um, It can be incredibly draining, exhausting, frustrating to be home with an almost two-year-old round the clock. But uh, when we first went into lockdown, he wasn't walking and now I can't catch him. So uh, that has been pretty cool to see. And he's, you know, picking up new words and starting to string words together into sentences, which is absolutely wild. And, uh, you know, I think that it has been a very rare opportunity to be present for something like that. And so, um, yeah, you know, I'm eagerly waiting for the day that he can go back to daycare and I can take a week off and have time to myself. But uh, at the same time, I'm not going to lose sight of the fact that there was a lot of good that came with the bad and the frustration. So
1: I can't wait to hear uh, him string his first uh, salty tirade about Tron together oh
0: yeah new guest <laughs> new podcast
1: guest uh, I mean yeah he's already been on yeah he did bust in yeah he did yeah, bust yeah in. I mean I definitely edited it out because um, uh, you know I just believe that it wasn't it wasn't a true reflection of his content creation he was a little rambunctious he might have been uh, grumpy and needed to go down for a nap I'm not sure but uh, <laughs> yeah 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 cool
0: well yeah uh, have a good one, y'all. Yeah, Absolutely. See you. you next time.
2: Take care. Thank you, everyone.
1: Bye.
3: Thank you for listening to Episode 9 of the Serum Visions Podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg, email us at
1: serumvisionspod@gmail.com,
3: at or join us on Discord at the link in
1: episode description of your podcast player or on serumvisions.podbean.com I'm a goldfish today.